We're live. Hi, hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerdy Up North podcast. It's a nerdy podcast hosted by Northern Nerds. I am one of your hosts, Sam. And I'm the other host, Paul. And we are joined this week by Team Podcasts, Kevin Grant. So it's, it's not many times there where Sam is outnumbered by the blokes. It's normally all the, all the lasses on against me. So um, <laughs> Sam's in for a treat tonight. I'm outnumbered <laughs> this week. It's all good. It's all good. I'm really looking forward to this week. I don't know about you guys. I, I found this one quite easy. Oh. <laughs> Grant didn't. Oh, I've never seen stress messages like it. Nope, mine was uh, finished probably about an hour and a half ago. Did so, Charlotte help with them? Or did you, nope. Did you, nope. I just find it really difficult to find people that I uh, respect and look up to. <laughs> Other than me, of course. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I rephrase, so, I find it completely impossible to <laughs> So Thank this you. week we are doing the top five, what is it, guests that are alive, guests at a dinner table? Yeah, just dinner party, like dinner, dinner party, party guests that like you, would, you would love to have and talk about why you would like to have them there and like, if, is there a particular reason? So it can be any reason you want. If you like, just want to sit there and look at someone, uh, someone you want to slag off and have an argument with, or someone that you really want to like mm. enjoy their company with. So, um, well, I asked my I asked my husband who he would have at the dinner table, and what he was concerned about was the menu what was being served. That's what he based it around. He was like, oh. "Oh, I think there might be a fussy eater. I don't know if I want to have them at the table." <laughs> That, that was kind of point. my thing when I was thinking it. Like, um, <laughs> so what are we actually eating? And then I got really hungry. And every time I thought about it, I had to go and make some food. <laughs> so it's taken me all week to think about this. I've never, I've never thought about that side. Oh, what shit? What we're fucking having for this meal? Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm having, I'm having appetizers. I'm having like starters. I'm having palate cleansers. I'm going the full hog here. Do you want to know what, what Anne's choices was? Oh, well, then. The Japanese cannibal who ended up having his own cooking show because he thought it would be an interesting conversation and he'd bring some good food to the table. I don't care. That was one of his <laughs> selections. Well, I've got a long pig. <laughs> Tastes like <laughs> chicken. <Yeah. laughs> so I'll get me a little bit out of the way with and then we'll crack on because I think mm. this might be a long one. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't normally have people say that they're about us as well, so... Oh, it's first for me as well, so. Innuendo is starting already. So everything discussed in tonight's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you want to discuss any topic from tonight's episode, please come and join us on our Facebook group and we can have an open discussion. What we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong. We can agree to disagree in fandom, so keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. Yes. And it's quite prominent after the day we've had about that as well. So yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're not, going yes. to, we're not going to too much, but no, Jesus keep Christ, that, keep people, people are shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. but not these people, because these not people, either. these people that we're talking about tonight, we've handpicked them to join us at the dinner table. Definitely. Oh, I wish I wish I've thought about the menu first. I would have had like starters ready. Uh, maybe people in the chat. Hello, guys in the chat. Hi. If there's, if, if there's any food preferences that you want to see or anything you want to talk about let us know but yes uh, <clears throat> we'll get it started and always we always try and give the guests the first score and with grant struggling all week uh, <laughs> i think we're doing it fair to give him, give him the first pick there so uh take it away there grant such a fucking prick <laughs> <laughs> okay so 
Number one on my list, um, I've gone, well, obviously I've got five. I, don't, I haven't really ordered them. I hadn't planned on going, I'm going to have this mm. person, then this person, then this person. But we'll go with a little bit of comic relief first, mm. I think. Um, it was a really, really tough choice between this guy and... I wouldn't even say that he was a comedian or the other person that was similar to him. I've heard him described as like a, an angry preacher that right. just happened to be funny um, with a, a truly wonderful outlook on life as to how we should all live and um, kind of what the human value system is, as well as being one of the most grotesque comedians of all time. Um, tragically died. If you believe that he tragically died, if you don't believe that he died, then you might think that he became Alex Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know who he Mr. is. Mr. Bill Hicks. Yeah. Yes. Alex Jones, man. Is that <laughs> true? People believe that. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you can see it in his red face, though, that if Bill, it's just the accent are completely different. I think that would be the only thing that throws wow. it. But, but what a choice. So, I know why you picked Bill Hicks, so but I'd love for Grant to tell us all about Mr. Hicks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've adored Bill Hicks from the the very first moment that I saw his stand up. I can't remember if the first stand up that I saw uh, would have been old VHS tape, regardless, but whether it was the same man um, routine or the Revelations routine, the Revelations routine being his last stand up routine before he died in the early nineties. Um, but like I say, it, it's it's the man's outlook on life. You know, he'd been um, brought up in a very uh, religious environment um, in a very kind of sort of conservative, um, like Republican kind of environment in the States and had thus rebelled so far in the opposite direction into, I, I suppose, his most like as far as his political viewpoint is concerned, which was also the way that he lived his life, it would be most um, comparable to what libertarianism should be, mm-hmm. you know, do no harm as long as, uh, you know, you're doing no harm to anybody else, live your life however you want. Um, and it's kind of the ideal that a lot of your old hippies mm-hmm. used to live by. And as, as we've found as the podcast has gone on, despite looking like I should be the handing out quests on Skyrim or, <laughs> you know, it's kind of dictating that, you know, my uh, <laughs> lackey should go and murder people in the Hollywood Hills. I am an absolute hippie at heart. <laughs> to be fair, and... Sam, I reckon Sam would be a way a follower as well. Oh, though, for... I... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just compared yourself to Charlie Manson. <laughs> well, he has got the look. Look at that smile. That is a Manson smile if I've ever seen one. It's the eyes. <laughs> It's definitely the eyes. Witchy. You know, Hicks obviously did a lot of stuff in his stand-up that was, you know, for shock value. You know, Mm -hmm. he did the goat boy routine where he's talking about (laughs) eating a girl out. You've got the the bit where Jimi Hendrix is sawing through a female pop star with a dick like a chainsaw and all of this kind of thing. You know, they're two of the ones where people were just kind of sitting there going what mm-hmm. the fuck is this guy on yeah. yeah lots of alcohol and lots of weed and lots of acid that's what he was on at the time although we cleaned up towards the end but when he would go off on his 
his little tangents about life and about the way that we should all treat each other and that kind of stuff. It, mm-hmm. You know, the, he came out with some of the most beautiful quotes mm-hmm. ever for a comedian um, because it wasn't just about laughs. It was like he was kind of preaching a way of life, hoping that people would listen and people would be kinder to each other. Now, yeah. the people that I've got for the rest of this aren't people that would be <laughs> lecturing on how they should have lived their lives, mm-hmm. but I've got a yeah. lot of people in my choices that I think would enjoy being around Bill Hicks and yeah. Bill Hicks would enjoy being around them. Um, mm-hmm. Like I say, beautiful person, beautiful comedian, beautiful outlook on life, and he would keep us all laughing mm-hmm. from Certainly, start yeah. to finish. Yeah, I, I think just he, a ride. Yeah, I think he's very much a comedian of our age as well, because like, when, he, when he came on and like hit big, because he was an American comedian that wasn't liked well in America because he told the truth. Yeah. And he, and he was huge in the UK because, and he, I think he even said he preferred the UK audiences because they got it. They understood like what he was trying to say. And I think I, I'm over the moon because I didn't even think about Bill Hicks, but I'm over the moon someone showed him because a lot of people like younger than us won't know who Bill mm-hmm. Hicks is. And again, look on YouTube, look, I think Netflix did a few specials a while ago showing up. I wasn't Noah's Prime might have been. If you can find any of his stand up, I know like the quality of the images isn't great, but it it is Brit I would say British comedy, but done in an American way. I think that would be the best way to describe it. I I if I'm totally talking shit, tell us. No, no, it's <laughs> it's, it's very dry as comedy. It's very like to the point and sarcastic whereas mm-hmm. a lot of Americans don't get sarcasm and yeah. um, it wasn't just the fans that like the British fans that Bill Hicks loved about the UK it was the weather mm-hmm. to quote one of his sketches America every day hot and sunny UK actually has fucking weather that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true as much as we hate it we do actually have seasons we have yep. climate <laughs> America hot and sunny hot and sunny hot and sunny what are you a fucking lizard <laughs> Perfect. It was a legend. <laughs> yes. Life is just a ride. Honestly, I've only just started appreciating more as an adult. Like, mm. I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't get the humor. I didn't get him. But as an adult, I've started to like, oh, he's just, he, he, got, he had it so right. He really did. Mm-hmm. Really good choice. Well, I've got one of his quotes here just to finish it off because Kev's pulled out a brilliant one there. But it's not forgive me, Father, for what I'm about to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was tempted to do the whole. <laughs> uh, what business is it of yours what i do read buy see or take into my body as long as i do no harm to another human being on this planet and for those of you that have a little moral dilemma in your head about how to answer this question i'll answer it for you none of your fucking business (laughs) take that to the bank cash it and go on a vacation out of my fucking life (laughs) that's it right there i'm doing no harm but i'm taking no shit he epitomized that way of looking yeah. at things yeah and wow. i'd say because so unfortunately when he like when he knew he was unwell and you, you saw like say some of his later shows you could tell he wasn't well mm-hmm. but he didn't he, he, he didn't really tone down the anger because in the early days he was very angry <laughs> and like like say but it was more not it was i'm trying to think of the right word to say because i can't like say how i, how I think it wasn't as angry, it was more. He was sad he wasn't going to be doing it as, like as much. It was kind of like possible, yeah, like morose. Is that, was that a word morose or? It's a word I'd use. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's still just a bit humbled and 
Um, I know because I, I think because I think it was more that he was, it was kind of wanting to keep keep going and punching his net across, mm-hmm. but he knew that he didn't have much time. But yeah, a lot sad. of the, a lot of the stuff he did say as well, kind of like when he was sarcastic about has come true and to the fourth in the future as well. So as I said, that's why he always got the the nickname as well as the prophet comedian as well. Yeah, but like I say, what a pick! Like what a way to start it off, though, Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, knocking out of the park first one there, so well done there, mate. You oh, bastard! You're unreal. <laughs> so follow follow that one, Kev. Oh, you know, I've got to follow that. Yeah, <laughs> spit on it. <laughs> um... <laughs> now the sweat is coming out now. Oh, dear, I've suddenly got COVID. I've got to go. <laughs> Well, if you, if you don't want to follow that, I, I can no, give um, Sammy a go. Or... Jesus. Um, I think the only one on mine that can possibly follow that, I mean, I've got two that could possibly follow it, but the only one that I'm, I can think would convey the same message, mm-hmm. Steve Irwin. You cocksucker. Oh, Is he on yours? He's on, yours. He's on, my, he's on my list, I I thought yeah. never believe it. I thought Nave would pick Steve Irwin. Steve <laughs> wow, I'm he shocked is, that either of you has picked him. Like it's just I'm not a, a name. Mass, I'm a massive animal lover. I'm a, uh, I honestly believe that we are the worst things that have happened to this planet. And he was Steve just Irwin the best. Was just, he was the, the kindest soul in the world. Mm-hmm. He was the best of us. To be fair, he was. He was, he was unreal. Um, he had a sense of humour. He brought his family upright. He mm-hmm. looked after the environment. He literally done everything that he possibly could to make people understand, look, they're not the problem. You're the mm. problem, to yeah. quote Paul earlier on. Um, but yeah, it was... Uh, I was absolutely heartbroken when that man died. Yeah. Absolutely good at I cracked all the jokes under the sun because of the people I was around at the time. That was the done thing. That's how we coped. Yeah. We mm-hmm. cracked horrible jokes and we got on with it. Um, but I think that one hit me more than any other celebrity death it literally broke me oh. um and then you see all like his his kids and stuff like that at the zoo mm-hmm. and i love the fact that they're carrying on his legacy i yeah. absolutely love I it love, uh, yeah i love the fact that the conservation's still there the yeah. message mm-hmm. is still there yeah. it hasn't differed it hasn't changed it's still exactly how he saw it mm-hmm. and that, that's just a testament to how he brought them up yeah, and then you've got a uh, Joe Exotic, which is essentially Steve Irwin's Wario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen. I've seen that meme. But uh, yeah, it's um, still good. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely devastated that someone else has got this one because, like I said, this was my ace in the hole. This is the one I thought no one would ever think of. <laughs> just just to think what what would it be like to have him at a dinner party though? If you've got if you've got everyone around you <clears throat> just sitting there. And then Steve Irwin's cracking there. What the fuck's he got to pull out of his bag? Like, I'm wondering what, what he's got to If he's sitting there and he's like, like he's cutting in his boots and he'll get, right, you've got this wallaby now, flinging koalas at people, like pulling out snakes, <laughs> crocodiles. And they're saying, look, I, like one of the funniest uh, interviews I've ever seen, like I think it was like almost like an Australian, like, Blue Peter stuff, where he was get this. This pythons get lovely. It's really friendly. It won't bite. There's anything like that. And he's getting. Oh, you might want to pause. And she's getting. Oh, why are you good? It's bite me neck. So <laughs> <laughs> a chunk out of his neck. It's getting. Is it? Does it hurt? No, no. He's. She's. He's. He's just. Just as nervous. Um. It's got no fangs. It's like not poisonous. But you saw this fucking python just writhing on his neck like this, and little blitz of blood spurting coming out. I was like. 
<laughs> he, he just looked, but he didn't look panicked at all. No. He just like looked at me and went, oh, yeah, might, I've just paused. I've said this person won't bite us, but now he's just biting us. But that, that was just everything in a nutshell, what kind of yeah. stuff he would do. And as I said, when he used to watch his show, he was the most excitable thing. And everything he could be describing, picking up a fork, and he'd be like, oh, this fork, it's lying here. It's going to now. going to creep up slowly, come from behind, and pick it up. And wiggle it about a little bit. Yeah. I, I still say the best thing he done was Doctor Doolittle too. When uh, he done the alligator, I'm going to sneak up behind him. I'm going to grab him, and you can hear the gator. The second he does that, I'm going to bite his fucking arm off. <laughs> you got Doctor Doolittle. I wouldn't be grabbing that thing. Do you, know, you? do you know what though? He was just one of the most enthusiastic people, and his his happiness and joy yeah. for life was completely mm. and utterly infectious. It really was. Yeah. Like it really was infectious, and I get that when I watch his son now, because mm-hmm. yeah. like, I know his son's yeah. continuing on with the with. The, you know the, the legacy and stuff uh-huh, and the mm-hmm. conservation and the, you know going and doing all these programs and making you aware of the animals that you know need your attention mm-hmm. and you can just see that same enthusiasm in him that it's like uh, it's like he's there mm-hmm. it's so weird to describe it's like he's almost in the room with them and his daughter's yeah. exactly the same isn't it bindi oh, or something bindi, that's what she's yeah, it's um it's just sad that uh, i think it's his is it his dad or terry's dad that's trying to take the uh, conservation away and sell it and privatize it and stuff oh, no. there's been loads of legal battles over it um, yeah. it's been absolutely horrible um, terry won't allow that i, I couldn't imagine anyway. if it goes to the courts and he wins she won't have a choice oh, yeah. so it's, it's, sad. it's been disgusting no, it's, it's it's weird though. But as you said, as him, like I know it's sad how he passed away. But to oh, be honest, he probably just would have wouldn't have wanted to pass any other way. Being like saying, being attacked by a stingray. Or yeah, no, if, that, if he's going out, he's going out with you know a blaze of glory. Yeah, but didn't he? Didn't he? Um, when he passed, because he, he was still alive when they got him back on the board, yeah. he he was like, you, "You do not blame that stingray." For yeah. what's just happened, like that's not, like it was very clear to people that it was not that stingray's fault, and this hit. is in his dying moments. Yeah, because like say he was in their environment though as well. Exactly, was, that, that, that these things do happen, and it was an accident. But yeah, just imagine just like, the cr- imagine the crack he would have though. Oh, yeah. oh I'd be <laughs> just It'd be fantastic. Like, pulling out a python and like say biting Bill Hicks in the in the neck, that would just be like Bill Hicks just like chugging on a cigarette going, "Oh shit, we're going to put all twenty of them round the table." Oh dear God! Yeah, <laughs> going to turn into like what that film Society, whatever it is, we'll all just mash into one. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good choice. It, it has surprised a lot of people um, in the group chat. Not so much Charlotte. <laughs> no, not so much Charlotte. Did but, she say um, she called it by any chance? She did no. not. She said it was either this or David Attenborough. Oh, she was entirely wrong on Attenborough. I wasn't going to put him in. Oh, yeah. well. um, I actually took someone off this list to put um, Steve Irwin in. Um, <laughs> I took Gal Gadot off the list. Oh. Uh, but to be fair, uh, like I say, Steve Irwin was was the my first pick, which is surprising. And the other ones, and I was starting to think about, she said the, the four other picks I've got that she would have guessed any day of the week. So sorry, guys, it's going to be quite predictable from now on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's your shock around the way with. Oh, I'm just I'm surprised both of you. I know I'm just really surprised that like because you think we're all. For all we are interested in the same things, we're all different people. Like we, I would have thought we would all had, you know, five different guests. 
maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> it's very rare we get a different one, though, isn't it? I mean, mm. it, nearly every single podcast, we've all got some overlap. Yeah, that's true. We've only had one or two where we haven't. True. I think and it's been even... the four of us that were on it when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, so that's my pick as well, though. Steve Owen, what a shout. Um, Sorry, Paul. <laughs> so I don't apologise. <laughs> I'm just very glad that someone else was in the same mentality. Just, I, 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 think yeah, I, I, I just think like the, the mayhem would have caused, like, say, he'll be kicking off if so, if like, because if there's like a stake in his game, this is not a stake. This is a stake. <laughs> He's not a problem. <laughs> I'll say you played knifey spoony before then. Oh, I love that quote. <laughs> I love that quote so much. And just to, just to save you though, Sammy, I, I can honestly say your mum's not on my list, so you are I'm safe. pleased. I mean, I'm pleased because I it's know what she's like. List. I know what she's like with alcohol, so it's more fool you if you were. Oh, I will. We'll have you, mum. <laughs> more fool you. <laughs> Right, am I going next then? Yes, it's your well, turn, I am going to bring a bit of glamour, a bit of old oh. Hollywood, mm-hmm. a bit of sparkle, a bit of Marilyn Monroe. Right, guess this one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm going to be, you probably all know mine. Um, there might be a, a, a surprise, actually two surprises in there, but I'm doing, this is, this is purely just because I want to talk to these people. That's the, that's the only reason. I have not put much thought into the fact that I just want to sit and have a conversation. And I don't want to sit and talk to Marilyn about the conspiracies and all that. I want mm. to talk, I, I, want, I would love just to know more about what it was like, what Hollywood was actually like from the perspective yeah. of a woman. I'm, I'm really trying to not make the obvious jokes, but I'm to keep, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll try and make, keep it tasteful here. So. That's fine. <laughs> I get it. But no, she's she's a massive icon of mine. I absolutely love her. The conspiracy aside, she is a really interesting person. Mm-hmm. Like she had a really interesting upbringing. Um the way the way that she she was a bit troublesome. Um mm-hmm. which is just it humanized her so much. Like massively humanized her for me, especially when I started reading, you know, about her mental state, um the fact that she was publicly dragged into a mental institution which was awful to watch um but i just i would i just i would like just to know her so outside like inside the hollywood and outside of hollywood i just she's just fascinates the life out of us i'd I'd want to know more about her because she was a massive bookworm Hmm. she was a huge bookworm she was highly intelligent yeah stupidly intelligent i'd want Mm -hmm. to know what her favorite book was and why like could Mm -hmm. she sell me that book i would want to know as well would you want would you want marilyn there would you like norma bit of both because i think Mm. you get i think she's i don't think she ever lost norma Mm. i don't think norma jean ever left left her Mm -hmm. i just think she knew how to disguise it i think she knew how to work for Mm. her and what she needed to do she was very ahead of the time. That was the thing with mm-hmm. Marilyn as well. She knew her worth when women weren't uh, allowed to. I think, I think that's why a lot of people wanted to see her fail or try to drag her down as much as they did. Um, but if, again, flip the rules, again, I know, like, say, gender and everything, but if that was a male doing a lot of things that she done... She would have that, that male. Well, to be fair, would have probably been Tony Curtis, but we're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably uh, true. <laughs> um, but it probably would have been like one of the most high powerful person in Hollywood. But the fact that she was a woman who knew her worth and 
knew how to play the game by, like I say, being associated with mm-hmm. powerful men or powerful yeah. people, yeah. and to to like get herself forward in in life mm-hmm. or in her career was, like I say, people are like would say it's, a lot of women do it now and are are, talk, are called successful, mm-hmm. where she was called a slut. Mm-hmm. That, that. absolutely but she she knew that the, the the era that she was working in mm-hmm. she, she wasn't getting by just on her talent no she, she wasn't it, it's as simple as that she wasn't and um, people still can't now that's the thing yeah it's, it hasn't changed it that hasn't much. changed a lot no it really hasn't and that was proven that, with the me too movement yeah, yeah absolutely um but i just it's very hard to because it's very hard for me to describe why i love her so much i just find that so bloody fascinating i see that every morning when i wake up i have a like seven foot uh, canvas print on my wall just as you come out my bedroom she is right there i see her when i walk through the door she's just a huge inspiration for us and i think it's because she she made herself vulnerable enough to where i i don't really see the, the hollywood glam side of her mm-hmm. i don't know i just i find it really hard to talk about her and this is why i would just love to Sit have the conversation, have a conversation yes see what uh-huh. her side of it it would yes. be it would be absolutely fascinating um like i said not just to hear her stories just like her views on things as well because everyone wants to go back and say oh tell us about this person what was this person like no just tell us what you were actually like and what what you went through and mm-hmm. like say what like what your life was like i absolutely adore her like one of my favorite films of all time is some like at heart and people say it's just because she looks but she is absolutely hilarious in that film. her she comedy so diamond she she is like say with two well jack lemon and tony curtis at the mm-hmm. time was heavyweights in the comedy field mm-hmm. not just movie but comedies and mm-hmm. she was up there with the comedy chops and time and and like say and as you said, she always had that it factor because when you see her, even on a magazine poster or on screen, your eyes are just the oh, best no. way I can describe it is, is like a diamond. And the mm-hmm. probably the closest we've got now is Margot Robbie because mm-hmm. she looks not like say when you see her in certain things, you, uh, your attention goes yeah. to her. Wolf of Wall Street, <gasps> and that, you she stood out against Leo because she was naked. Not just for that. No, no, I like totally to... get what he means. She is, she was striking in that to the point where you're, you're, and her acting as well. You weren't looking at him; you were looking mm-hmm. at her. And um, Marilyn's just a fascinating person who was, you know, she was always classed as the dumb blonde, where she was anything but dumb. Don't so to know, to know that the other side of her is would be just so fascinating and i know there's hell on in the marilyn monroe community at the moment yeah. absolute hell on. i didn't even know there was a community yeah. until i went down a massive rabbit hole <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's hell on at the minute but me and carolyn um are off to los angeles for our 40th next year and we are planning you know it's going to be park filled and everything like that but one day we're going to set aside for our celebration day and we're going to go and dress up in our finery, get a bottle of champagne, and we're going to go down to Marilyn's grave and have a glass of champagne with Marilyn because she just means the absolute world to us. I think I will be absolutely hysterical standing in front of her grave. I'm not going to lie. I really do. It'll, it'll, honest, <laughs> it really is. It'll be like, it'll be worse, like, family member wise I'd be in hysterics <laughs> but yeah Marilyn is my top choice and 
I'd have been doing, I would have been lying to myself and to anyone who knows us if I didn't pick her. So yeah, mine are all just like, they're very predictable, but very, th- this is just me. I, honestly, I think that would be a good choice. I genuinely do. Um, there'd be so many, like so many hard conversations you could have there as well. What were mm. the Kennedys really like? Yeah. What did you actually know? Like, because that's the that's the thing of that's the thing. Who, the who was bigger? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is it true that it only lasts two seconds? Not the question that's what I'm asking, like, but um, but no, because it's who was the, who was a gentleman? Oh, I think I think JFK would have been the gentleman. Robert. Not with the Kennedys, like no, in no. general, oh, in, in general. Hollywood, who was a gentleman? Because you always hear these stories, like, oh, this person was lovely, but it turns out they were an absolute horrible bastard. Who did she do the last film with? You know the one that didn't get shot. There's some um, something's got to give. Not sure. And she, I can't remember. Who oh that was. God! It was the seven he, year. Because I remember the seven year itch. Yeah. No, it was the last film she shot. This was what she because this is she got sacked from this film for going to do the the Mr. President um, yeah. thing, and then she the the actor who was with her and um, the guy it said, "I'm not continuing this film without her." Like, he absolutely fought for her because the studio was not just going to write her off from this one. They were going to write a whole contract off. Yeah. Mm. And he absolutely fought tooth and nail for her and fought for a fair pay for her too. See, that is what I like. That mm. sort of thing is what I absolutely love about, not Hollywood, but you get some people in Hollywood that do that, like mm. um, Robin Williams. Yeah. Unless there was at least 10, pe- 10 homeless people contracted to the film, he wouldn't do it. It was You're in his contract. Joking. No, he wouldn't yeah, do it. It was in his contract. Like literally, if he was like cast in a film, his contract stipulated they had to hire ten homeless people off the street minimum. Wow. And they had to pay them like a it, fair wage. It was Dean Martin. Dean Martin. There you go. It was Dean Martin who he absolutely he, he was adamant. She, I'm not doing this film without her. Um, you're not busting her from a contract. You're definitely not underpaying her. Like because mm-hmm. she was she got so much shit from um the showgirl and the is it the showgirl and the prince i could be getting that name completely butchered but the one with Lawrence olivier uh, I, I, the show I is it the showgirl I, and the prince remember. or something like that it's been and a she, long time she got absolutely annihilated on that set because she was in an incredibly vulnerable situation uh a marriage to arthur miller was just falling apart around yeah. her um she was completely self-doubting herself she was up against Laurence Olivier, when it came to acting. That is, yeah, and that is a hard feat for anyone, but especially a young woman like her. She took it really hard. And she did, she, in all accounts, made it very difficult for people to work. But it's just, it was just, she showed that she wasn't, that she was scared. And Mm -hmm. because of the shit that she got from that, Dean Martin was like, I will fight for this girl. Like the, she doesn't deserve what she's getting from studios because they were they were very oh, happy no. just to drop her. But yeah, my first pick, Marilyn Monroe. Mm. Good pick, really good pick. Thanks. Happy birthday, Mr. Mm. President. Sorry. Oh dear. <laughs> well, that was another thing about we'll that. Fun out. <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing about that night. They claimed that she was late. Because Marilyn was always late. They always made the thing that Marilyn didn't show up the sets and stuff like that. Marilyn was not late for that event. Mm-hmm. She was not at all. She was on time. She was prepared. She even rehearsed the, the day before. So they're full of shit. They're just <laughs> Aren't they love- always about women. 
They just yes. loved. They just loved. To, they loved to tear her down. But I would right. love to have a conversation just to build her back up. <laughs> cool. And I'll end it on that. So Grant, oh, back to you, good sir. Back again. Back again. Ready, back, master. Back, back again. <laughs> Kev, what instrument do you play? Uh, I'm a guitarist. Just guitar. A uh, bit of bass every now and then. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to be sure of that because I didn't want to potentially steal one of Kev's picks because um, <clears throat> this is probably the only one musician is. on mine. The only musician on mine currently as well. Um, probably the, the biggest influence on me as a musician, both from a technical perspective, although I'm not particularly a technical musician, but definitely from the point of view of looking at somebody who perhaps didn't quite fit into metal and thinking... I can still do metal because if that guy fits with the way that he plays, how he looks, his style, I think I know where you're going. I can with do this. it as well. Who do you think I'm picking? Um, I've got a strange feeling you're going to go with Devin Townsend. Not mate. your t-shirts no. the giveaway though. <gasps> oh, uh, uh, you're not going with Large Iron <clears throat> Cliff Burton. Oh, I'm uh, a going with Large Iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't say Lars Ulrich, I said Lars Royal Rig. <laughs> if Cliff Burton was still alive, Lars Ulrich would be in the fucking doll queue right yeah, now. 100%. 100%. But, yeah. Um, Metallica was one of the first bands that kind of got me to transition from classic rock into metal. And one of my the first yeah, too. decent exposures that I had of Metallica. Um, aside from the Lord album, which was this close to controversially making it onto my top five albums. Um, I'd heard King Nothing on MTV and thought, ooh, I quite like the sound of this, and I'd heard Until It Sleeps, and then I went into a little record shop that used to um, exist in Newcastle called Old It's, (gasps) and he had the Cliff Em All VHS. I've got a feeling where you're going with this. I took it home and I put it on and I looked at Cliff Burton and I just thought, you know what it is? that That's what I want to be. I want to be, but thankfully, because I'm not a very good bass player, passion first and technicality second. I mean, don't get me wrong, Cliff was a phenomenally technical bassist. But he would, yeah, on, on, on stage, he would, he would forego elements of his technicality to be theatrical to be mm-hmm. the, the kind of musician that you would just kind of stare at in awe of yeah. you know, the hairs going and he's got this wah-wah pedal going on a bass and you know any mainstream musician of a bass player pulled out a wah-wah pedal they just go put that away now <laughs> you're not doing anything with that um you know the, the, what he did for Metallica because he was such a creative influence you see a change in Metallica's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Focus, you see a change in the demeanor, and you definitely see a change in their songwriting as they transition from Master of Puppets into Justice for All. Mm-hmm. And secondly, like with that in mind, obviously, we're all metal fans here. Obviously, you know, Kev's a big Metallica fan, clearly, because he's got the t shirt on, and I know Sammy is as well. Um, Metallica have always taken a lot of heat when they have Massively. made changes to their music and. I can't help but think that if Cliff was still alive, none of that heat would have happened because he brought such an experimental and such an artistic yeah. viewpoint into Metallica's mm-hmm. songwriting. They wouldn't have looked at, you know, if Cliff, uh, Cliff Burton had still been alive, people wouldn't have looked at Lord and gone, 
what are they doing? It's not this, it's not that, it's not the other. I mean, they got it a, they got it a little bit, you know what I mean? When they released Fade to Black, everybody went, oh, no, they've sold out because it's a ballad. Oh, and, they do it every time. It, indeed they did, but he was such a... He, he went beyond rock and metal, yeah. but still fit in there, and it's, that's always been a big influence on me because, not to make it me, 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 but my songwriting has never been traditionally metal. It's I've wrote about meaningful topics and I've wrote about weird things and in weird structures and weird little concepts and that kind of stuff that you don't normally find in. Gah, Satan, Gah, angry, Gah, fighting. In all fairness, though, when it comes to that, though, Grant, when it comes to Metallica, you can see a picture of James Hetfield with his mouth open, and there is a ninety-five percent chance that what you're saying is, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> a ninety-five percent chance. Doesn't matter what picture from what angle, it's yeah. I'm so pleased that you picked Cliff Burton. That is just—it's a phenomenal choice. I always remember the first because I've been a Metallica fan since I was about. 15, 16, like they were the first band. I think we've talked about this before. The first band that like got us into metal. Um, and it was, I don't know what show it was, but it's him. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I see it. It's it's Cliff, foot on the amp, Misfits t-shirt on. And it's, it's um, oh God, what's the song? From Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. And it's, it's just him on his own with the oh my god absolutely that image of him just standing there he's just he's it's majestic like it's the only word i can describe it as i know when you go and see a lot of live bands and stuff a lot of them now are playing by the numbers but he used to always get lost in the moment and that's probably the best way i can describe him playing because and you can see that in there in that time like not many bands these days or acts that you go and see do get that because everyone's worried about being perfect or being on key or hitting the right notes. Yeah. Um, like I say, there is the special acts out there. Like, as I said, uh, ACDC is one of the ones where I'll just get mesmerized when I saw them live. Uh, Kiss, another thing is just like, say, when you're there, you, you just don't believe what you're actually seeing on stage. <laughs> it's just the most mental things. And most of the time, they're singing, they're not in key, they're not playing the right tune. It's just the performance. But um, I think the only act I would say that hits it perfectly now, I, I gets this, not not to say it's Cliff Burton esque, but kind of gets lost in the moment. And again, it's not a metal, but it's probably Lady Gaga, because when you see her perform, she does things on stage and reacts to the audience mm-hmm. and kind of thing. And I know I'm probably just going way left field. No, with, no, so it's like, the reference. I, yeah, I think it's just true artistry. It's not um, too far out there, Paul. I mean, Pink does the same thing. She gets mm-hmm. very interactive and very lost. Um, but for what was what you were saying before, with you don't see that now. You've got to remember when Cliff was with Metallica, it was like the birth of Bay Area thrash. Mm-hmm. Like they mm, they were yeah. just like they were the originators of the Bay Area thrash. You had other bands, but they were the ones that made it through big. They were the ones that got the platinum records and stuff coming through. I mean. Until the release of God Hates Us All, I don't know anything after that, but Slayer didn't have a platinum album at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like thrash titans. Then you've got the likes of Anthrax, but none of them, like no thrash band out there had a bass player like like, mm-hmm. Burton. like he was mm-hmm. just, Cliff Burton was just unbelievable. He was, mm-hmm. anesthesia pulling teeth is without a doubt the single best piece of bass music I have ever heard in my life. Second only to um, Scarified by Race Rex. Mm-hmm. He's just a genius, and I can guarantee he would have had some amazing conversation and some beautiful stories. 
It's Especially just, about the so Dave Mustaine era. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh-huh. Fuck Mega Dave. But, oh, yeah, fuck him, definitely. But um, <laughs> it's just so sad. It's sad that it's such a, sh- like a short life. But yeah. one that was probably filled with a shitload of stories that he would have had some good memories. Yeah, and it isn't it. Doesn't it say something about a person when an individual or individuals are still not quite over it? Yeah. yeah. James's addictions come stem right the way back to that night. Yeah, it's a pure spinal tap death. Yeah, you know, he goes flying out of the bus window. Lands and is okay, yeah. and then the bus tips over and crushes the poor motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not trying to make light of it, but at the same time, okay. it's like it, he went out write it. properly. You know what I mean? It's not like he, you know, mm-hmm. was kind of killed over dead one day. He went out in a, a very it's a glory dramatic. Type yeah, exactly. It, it, it was, was a rock and roll death. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's like good. oh, I've just got pissed and I've drowned on my own vomit. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, Elvis, a, uh, oh, like, oh, like Elvis died in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a yeah. story about that. I don't know if it was true, so maybe Grant could sort of clarify if he knows. Um, apparently, there was a card game beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, Kurt Hammond. Yeah, Cliff actually yeah. got Kurt, Kurt's bunk. It yeah. should have been Kurt that was flung from it. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. It's on, um, it was a documentary done, um, I think it might have been for VH1, because when they used to do really good. Yeah. Band documentaries. It's I'm sure it's on there, but it's um yeah. It was a it, it was cards thrown and I, I can see Kurt saying, "I'm taking your bunk." Yeah. And he pointed at Cliff, and it was yeah. He, um, he got Kirk's bunk, and it should like Kirk says I carried that guilt for a really long time. Yeah, but it's yeah, not Kirk. It's not his fault. That's the yeah. thing. He gets the a lot of shit as well. Mm. Stories kind of got twisted in years um, gone by with all the uh, the hatred surrounding Lars Ulrich for yeah, that's not completely justifiable reasons. Obviously, I think it ended up you know a lot of people kind of twisted that story round so they could kind of go you know I wish it had been Lars on the book and yeah. still you know don't I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Lars Ulrich. We could tell. Where he's, <laughs> yeah. I'll give him credit where credit's due. You know, he's not the terrible drummer that everybody makes him out. He's not the he's best. amazing no. drummer. And he, he is, in part. Ulrich has laid down some incredible drum beats in his he time. Has. He just doesn't really cut it live anymore. No. Um, I mean, he's like, he's not on 60, isn't he? Like 50, yeah. 60, like, come on, cut my bit of I'm not justifying the, the hatred to the point where people think he should have died. No. You know my I mean? God, just, no. Like, maybe no, yeah, unemployed, yeah. though. You know, no, playing tennis or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that's the thing. He is a end, but you never want wish that. He's uh, a pretentious bellend. Oh, I you wouldn't wish that on him. No, but when you when you watch back the like say the the documentary they did when um like they some were kind filming some kind of monster, and you feel you can actually feel like when they're talking about Cliff and what the influence they had in the band, mm-hmm. and as I said, the band were never quite the same. Again, since then, I know they've had hits and albums and stuff, but I don't think they ever did or ever will recover from that. I think they got lost. Because it's the what-ifs. Yeah. What what, what could have been? I honestly think they got lost. I don't think they could make the same music without them. I don't think the the passion was there for it. Mm -hmm. So I think they had to expand. I mean, you look at it, they had... um, So you had Kill Them All, Ride the Light and Master of Puppets. Absolute titans in the thrash era. Yeah. 
then mm-hmm. you had and Justice for All where they went a bit more <coughs> experimental. Brilliant album. I love, love the it. album. Black album, got a load of shit because it's where the first went commercial. Fantastic album again. Load, got loads of shit for that because again they changed the sound. Absolutely phenomenal album. Reload, I love it. Don't care what anyone says, it's still good. Saint Anger was where it went wrong for me. I think the it guitars, went wrong for everyone. The the only problem I had with it was Lars Ulrich's drumming because the drums just sounded terrible. That wasn't <laughs> his fault. It literally just sounded like Nirvana B side played on Pantera's dustbins. What an analogy. What an analogy. That was brilliant. You met worthy of fucking Shakespeare. That, that <laughs> it, was, it was just terrible. But then they brought yeah. that back with Death Magnetic. Mm. And I absolutely loved that album as well. That took us back to the puppets days. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it. we sent anger as well because that was the time when they'd done the documentary. Um, Some kind of monster, it, yeah. It felt like the album was getting wrote by the psychologist, uh, by the therapist rather than actually the band. Probably was. They yeah. were pushing for different things, saying, oh, James is, doesn't want to do this. Because they wouldn't even be in the same room together at times and no, stuff when they were writing the same album. But, and then Kirk yeah. had, had a surfing accident and like bust his arm open so he couldn't do solos. Don't you feel sorry for Kurt though? Where he's always like stuck in the middle of them two having a having a tiff. I know, but he needed to stand up for his cell more. He was a oh, bit of a, a hundred... pussy at times. Yeah. Uh, sorry, he was. <laughs> no, you're right. He was. He, he could have. He could have said a lot of things, but sometimes he just sat on the sidelines and just took it. Yeah. yeah, people can say what they want about Kurt Kamet, but at the end of the day, he's an amazing guitarist. Yeah. Everyone gives him shit. Like, oh, you, you can't. Like, Thanks, Charlotte. He's, <laughs> he's terrible, you know. He's uh, you, he relies on war so much. He relies on this, that, and the other. My argument to them is always: there's my guitar, there's a plaque, play it. Go on, yeah. I dare you. And they can it. He mm-hmm. was taught by Joe Satriani. Yes, Satriani is an absolute. Um, he's a godsend. People like, oh shit, he's just guitar like fretboard masturbation. There's my guitar, there's a pick, play it. I dare you. Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't downtuned, and you're not just using one finger. You can't play it. So don't lecture the man. What He's a choice, amazing. though. What a choice, Grant. You are really, really, really not yeah, You can tell he's thought about these ones. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Unreal. I had two nailed down and the rest of them on the bus on the way back from dropping the burn off. I was just like, yeah, they'll do. So I've had the two nailed mind. down now, so we've got this, like, the, the, the extras next, so that'll be fine. <laughs> so, that, so, yes. that one's absolutely blowing my mind. I, I, I never even thought of that one. Mm. Brilliant. What a you guys. So, uh, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Trouble now. <laughs> oh, my God. I honestly thought Kev had, like, cue cards there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 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 what now? <laughs> and if you look on the back of it, it says, shut up, Paul. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the obvious choice now. And I think mm-hmm. everyone knows who the obvious I think I know who it is. I think I've had... Uh, um, I'm 99.9% confident. He's a man that I've absolutely idolised for a long time. He's got—he's just absolutely hilarious. He's heavily involved in politics and acting. He's got oh. a massive love for the northeast of England because he stayed here when he was training for Mr. Olympia. It's got to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not who I thought you were going with. Hey. I'm still, I'm still, no, I'm still holding out that he's on your oh. list. But wow, brilliant. I've I, I, got to be Arnie. To be fair, though, you did let us know that you're saying that you just wanted to pick Arnie and, and just have all share the food for five other people with Arnie. To be fair, yeah. he could eat it. So. Could. I mean, look at the look at the geezer. He's in, like, he's in his seventies now, and he's in peak physical shape. And still. he's vegan. Yep. 
He's so, vegan. He's doing the, it on a vegan diet. So the problem with this is if he's doing it on a vegan diet and he's that size, what supplements is he taking? Because <laughs> it's impossible, I can tell you that now. Um, <laughs> but I just, no, I, he's a legend. Um, massive. I don't know if anyone watched his political videos during the insurrection and stuff like that when he was like, then damn trump that's a member of his own party yes actually i did i saw a lot of it he was he, very vocal wasn't he yep he was really vocal that was a member of his own political party you'd never see that in politics at no. all they all band together the the big insurrection things going on in capitol hill at the moment they're like in the senate they're getting ready ready to just lock everyone up for that mm-hmm. um arnie was sat there and he was absolutely damning them he's like we shouldn't be dividing the country we should be united like Black Lives Matter, all of that, he was bagging with all. Mm. Then he, he goes from like this massive political rant against like a tyrant essentially into, hey, look, I've got house donkeys. Yes, it's donkeys <laughs> and he's doing donkey filling. He's like, he's like, what was the one I watched before? He was like, I'm going to show you what I feed the donkeys on a morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. These videos kept me and Charlotte going through the lockdown. I don't know if she's still there or she's gone now. She's, she's gone off and she's left the light on again. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Do you know how much electricity costs? I knew I was going to say that. <laughs> 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 he's a he's a massive inspiration for me. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what he's doing. I mean, I don't know if people have seen the stuff he's doing now with his Arnold Strongman competitions around the world. No, no. Um, he's bringing loads of athletes together. So you've got the strongman competition. So you've normally got Eddie Hall breaking deadlift records. You've got mixed martial artists, uh, Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympias, all the bodybuilders, the powerlifters, um, like just athletes in general. It doesn't have to be something to do with bodybuilding and weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, you get footballers, like everyone brings them in together, like a big body pro expo. And basically just people coming in, listening to the heroes, giving lectures and That's signing amazing. autographs and stuff. It's all around the world. And it's he's just amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So... It's, the, it's the next one for me to go to. So we've not talked we've talked about his films as well because I know we've talked about things. But what would you? I know we'll probably have a, a podcast about what, about top five Arnie films if it could be done. So, but before giving spoilers away for that future episode, what would you say mm-hmm. is Arnie's greatest roles that he's been in for you personally? For me personally, his greatest role to this day, um, I'm going to say End of Days. Mm. oh wow it was totally different for Arnie it was a serious role there wasn't many one-liners in there it was a role where he was just like I'm broken he was a very vulnerable man as well he was he He was destroyed he wasn't I'm really shocked about Kev that one and um, collateral damage where he lost his family yeah because I think uh, with End of Days there was a lot of comparisons with his performance with Stallone in uh, was it Copland Copland because both of them have been these mega stars that have like said not been like impervious like fucking Arnie beat the predator uh yeah. <laughs> but uh but like say so, showing vulnerability shown that they can yeah. be beaten and shown as you said broken people and yeah, yeah that was like say quite it, a different aspect it shows me how much he actually means to you that you look outside of what you typically would think are like your, your favorite Arnie film would be yeah. you go for you, you look at his acting ability and you look at not just his action ability and that just goes to show how much he actually does like, mean to you. I love that there, so There's much. another film that me and Charlotte absolutely love with him in and he's in it for a grand total of five minutes and if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's called Killing Gunther. <laughs> I've so, not even heard of it. Essentially, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Gunther. He is the world's greatest assassin and then you get... 
this group of hitmen that are banding together to try and kill him. And it's, um, can you remember Scrubs? Mm-hmm. I do remember Scrubs, yeah. Jimmy's touch the orderly. Mm-hmm. He's leading them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they're just an absolute clusterfuck. They are stupid <laughs> as shit. <laughs> it's just, it's hilarious. Um, but they get to Arnie's at, like, towards the end, and essentially it's, it's his actual house. Mm-hmm. Like it's Arnie's actual house. That's amazing. And the, like literally the five minutes Arnie's in it is literally just him laughing at them and pulling off every single one of his like one liners from his films. Uh, it's fantastic. He, he used to have the best one liners. Was it for the Batman and Robin? Uh, it's going to be a cool winter. Ha, ha, Ice ha, to ha. see you. <laughs> <laughs> Running I mean, Man has the best. Here's Sub Zero now playing Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, let off some steam, oh, Bennett. Let off some steam. Stick around. <laughs> You've just mentioned one there, Kev, and it chucks us back to what you were saying about um, his political career at the beginning. Was there not a point in American politics where you were sitting there hoping and praying that there would be a presidential election with Arnold Schwarzenegger on one side and Jesse Ventura on the yes. other? And it would just be the final scene of The Running Man. Yes. <laughs> but if you, were, if you think about... Um, like Arnie films and things like that, you've got Jesse Venturi, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, you've got Sonny Landham. They were all involved in politics. That's like half the cast of Predator. <laughs> and they all went into politics. Granted, Sonny Landham was an absolute racist prick <laughs> from Kentucky or some somewhere like that. Um, but hmm. on the set of Predator, he actually had to have a bodyguard present at all times. Really? To protect other people from him. Yeah. <laughs> because he was that much of a lunatic. Can you imagine him going up against Jesse Ventura? It would have literally just been a case of, here, Sonny, and he's dead. <laughs> Jesse Ventura was a Navy SEAL. He <laughs> uh, was a bit of a nutter as well. Like, I remember his wrestling days. He was like, yeah. always a bit, a bit off, off the kilter. But yeah, um, I know if Jake was on the podcast, he'll be loving the fact that we used Arnie and he'd be talking about uh, Batman and Robin all day because that's one of his favourite films. It's class. It's, not. it's class. It <laughs> it's is. not. If you, if, if you just take it for what it is, it's just yeah. a bit of comedy. It's cheese. It's not Batman. You know, I, it's, agree, I agree with it's you, just Kevin. It's fun. brilliant. It's, it's for kids. It's not for us. Yeah. What they did to be in, I'll never forgive them. No, either, <laughs> but, it, but it was for kids. It's Jurassic Park 3, isn't it? Alan, the talking <laughs> raptor. It's it was just a bit of childish fun. Grant's telling the doggy off. <laughs> Sorry, I've just seen the good old. <laughs> oh, as he trying to his missus that way helps. She's literally just not the missus, the dog has literally just been back chatting as I told her to lie down and just started howling at me with oh. why I'm what a but brilliant no, choice, Kev. Arnie would have to go there. Simply, I'd, I'd like to pick his brains on um, not just his political matters, but his family life. Hmm. I would just because... love to see Arnie and Steve Irwin having a chat. I that go. would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> you can guarantee you'd go Jack Slater and say, well, that's a crocodile. Is that where these came from and pull his boots out? <laughs> you know he would. Oh, there'd be fisty cups at the oh, table. The man didn't care. He was class. <laughs> I love him. Brilliant. That's... Excellent choice. So is it me or you to go, Sam? Because that... You, so, you can go. Go, me. go, right. I'm going to go with one of my predictable ones. Um, like I say, he's probably what I would describe as the greatest storyteller of all time. 
for his movies he's either been involved in, helped write or directed. He's literally been since, what, the 70s? And every single film he does, even if it's not what we would class as amazing, it's blockbuster, it's stellar. He's busy, went from... I'm just getting it. Kind of like indie... Uh, hint. Uh, indie. <laughs> indie <laughs> adapt, it's literally, literally the 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 the. the oh, no, mate! I can't get my words out. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, the like penny him. dropped. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> penny dropped. Just, I would, I wouldn't want to talk to him. I would just want him to tell us about every experience he's ever had, every person he's been involved in, or. Uh, and just just to experience the man's life, like what's George Lucas really like? <laughs> <laughs> How do you control him? How do you control him? <laughs> um, but the kind of sway and like say the ability that man has had, like the films that's got made because he's been involved in the films he's made because he wanted to do and like, like yeah. tell that story. It just blows my mind that. I don't think as a movie director, because normally you're getting like ones where the last 10 years, 20 years, he's timeless. He makes, he's like, say, as I said, go back to Jaws. That was what, 1978 or 70? Yeah, we were, we were watching it last night. It was on ITV. Me and Anth watched the end of it. So if you think about it, like from a movie director to star, and I can say, to be fair, low budget horror, because yeah. that's yeah. what Jaws was. And probably Definitely. Um, and to now to be doing the type of movies he's doing now, like West Side Story, I, I even though it's a stage, but like the cinematography yeah. and the view, mm-hmm. like how amazing that looked. But like as I said, look at his CV; nobody comes close. No, I told, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I will always be grateful for the fact he did Schindler's List. Yep, yeah. I think yeah. it's one one of the most important films to watch because mm-hmm. it, it it's history right there in front of you like it, it's absolutely breathtaking for all it is horrifically mm-hmm. awful and sad it is breathtaking to watch definitely yeah. but as you said with everyone's favorite films that they've talked about and such a diverse back catalog because mm-hmm. a lot of people stay in one wheelhouse name another Not director in... director that takes risks like say go from jaws charlotte's favorite et ready player one uh Back to the Future was involved in Close Encounters, uh, yeah. Catch Me If You're Not, War of the Worlds, Jurassic Park. He was even involved in the fucking Goonies. I got a Goonies reference oh, in. Wow! There. <laughs> 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 uh, and, like, My so, God! And the relationship he builds up with actors as well. Like, say, he's one of his best friends, Harrison Ford. Tom yeah. Hanks is in pretty much every single uh, great. Where uh, Spielberg film from the Terminal, Seven Private Ryan. Did he? Uh, sorry to pause, interrupt you. I think you've got a list up there. Did he have anything to do with that thing you do? I don't. I don't know if Spielberg. Because I know it's Tom Hanks's production. I know it's his his baby, but I don't know if Spielberg actually had anything to do with that. I'm not sure. It's not on the list that I've got. But it's like right. films like Indiana Jones, Hook, mm-hmm. um. BFG, Lincoln, Minority Report. Lincoln. Um, Minority Report, Christ. Uh, Tintin, which was... Uh, but uh, <laughs> Experimental, let's put it yeah. that way. Uh, it was an clo- experiment. Close Encounters of the Third Encounter. Uh, um, um, I, I can just keep... like 
he was even part of like say not like directly, but he helped me get who framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. that type of technology and like going forward, like um like saving private Ryan, like people that done war films before, but I know like, like said not like that and not mm-hmm. that intense. And the story was quite simple. Save oh, someone, yeah. get there mm-hmm. and save that, but done it in such an every way. And I've not seen a war film done as well since uh was it 1971 or 1972? 1917 that one when it was done like all like a one shot i was gonna say that was the one shot film wasn't it yeah yeah i I think the only film that um the only war film for me that can beat um 1917 and um Mm -hmm. saving private ryan is Mm -hmm. black hawk down because it was Mm -hmm. a true story it was shot fantastically but for what for 1996 when Saving Private Ryan came out and for what you got, just mm-hmm. the little details, that's that's what made it for me. Like you'll mm-hmm. see a medic on the beach when they storm the beach in Normandy mm-hmm. and you'll see a bullet hit the canteen and there's water comes out and then a second later blood comes out. Tiny yes. little details like it's, that. It was That opening unreal. sequence is chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chilling. Yeah. But it, that's it, what was happening. That's what was going on. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. Like absolutely it, insane. And but, just imagine the stories he would tell at that table. Like yeah. you would just sit there when there's, there's yeah. people that you sit there and you would listen to, and like, like not just like, like he would gravitate your full attention. Like, oh, hundred yeah. percent. I'd be asking straight away: Is Richard Dreyfus as crazy as he looks? <laughs> <laughs> like serious question. I need I, I to know. I'd have to ask him questions about behind the scenes at Jurassic Park, like the storms when the T-Rex went nuts. Yes, when the animatronic <laughs> um, yeah. function kicked in and it went on its like root, like its routine its thing. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I would I'd, love to know about that. I, I'd love to know little details like that. Like, oh, um, was Jeff Goldblum really as eccentric? Is I mean, we know he is. We well, you know, know he is, yes, we yes but we want to know. We want to know we're how long it's been going stories. on for. Right, it's been going on for as long as he's been alive, but I want to know the inside <laughs> stories to it. I want to know the friendships that Spielberg had because, um, mm. oh, Christ, that man was my childhood. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. I think that's, he was, I think he was at all of our yeah. childhood, really, wasn't yeah. he? Like, how crazy did you, how angry did did the shark, Bruce the shark make you in Jaws when it used to flip out and go crazy? Because yeah. he used to have, like, so many breakdowns as well. Because you have no, no luck with animatronics. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, not just that. Animatronics how, and water, because that, that's what set the T-Rex off. How much did your lawyer piss you off to name an animatronic shark? <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? That's yeah, true. he was it's named after his lawyer. Spielberg's lawyer, that's correct. It's in his yeah. uh, autobiography. Um, oh my god, he's got an autobiography. I'm not of sure. Of course he does. It'll be someone wrote. I might have been Ghost in the interview. Oh, still, I would still, I'd still read it. Like um, it's got to have some interesting tales in. Don't quote us on the autobiography, but I know he's done interviews where he's told yeah. that story. But I, I, like, yeah, I would love to hear what, like the banter he had with Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford is renowned to be a, like grumpy miserable. and like miserable. But when Harrison Ford talks about Spielberg, he's got genuine love for him. Yeah. Mm. So, and he's like, I know it sounds really strange because he's like a fatherly figure as well. Yeah. That's, that's the impression he would give. And um, like all of, like, like how do you, like say, like he could basically work with anyone he wanted and do whatever mm-hmm. he wants. How do you choose your projects now? Like yeah. these would be interesting questions. I would think like what's next? Um, Absolutely. But I, also, but I love that story on like that, the Netflix show, the movies that made us when they talked yeah. about Jurassic Park. And they had uh, the CGI and like the guy who went, I said, like, we're going to do this CGI. We're not going to build a model. And he got the video up 
and he and Spielberg walked in the room and saw it and made the decision there and then that then. this was the way to go forward. Mm-hmm. Like say to have the balls and like say right because Jurassic Park was going to be a big financial like if that didn't hit companies would want out of business. Yeah. yeah, that was the, that thing and yeah. Spielberg made some calls on that for it to go forward and it isn't it lovely though that in the time that we are now, you know, we hear some horrific stories about people. I don't think there's one horrific story come out about Spielberg. Oh, don't. Oh, that would kill us. I, I, and, I, I, know, that's the, I don't even want to jinx it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, think I, just, think, question... I just think it's incredible that he's that he has such a reputation that has spanned mm-hmm. as long as what it has done. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my main question for him. What was it? What was it like to have a friendship with Richard Attenborough? Not a working relationship, a friendship. Oh, yeah, because well, that it's... man was a hero. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cry. <laughs> go on, son. Go on. No, but... I've done it. I've done it enough today. I'm not crying uh, anymore. I, I, I love hearing his stories as well. When Drew Barrymore talks about like being on set with ET and how he was with Drew Barrymore, because Drew Barrymore absolutely adores the man. Mm. Well, like, step, step, um, first, um, Godfather, isn't it? Something like that. That, 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 that Godfather. Yeah, but like say, and imagine being on the set with ET. Sorry, Charlotte. I know you probably that's your worst nightmare coming out now. She is down behind Kev. <laughs> but um, saying like the only thing again, he he made a few choice actions when they done the the, the recut and the, the CGI'd out the guns with walkie talkies just because he yeah. was against against the the. Sorry, Charlotte was one behind. <laughs> there was another because uh, he was against uh, gun crime and stuff like that, but. It, it's a difficult choice, but going back to change your movie for little things like that, it seemed a bit pointless. But yeah, um, but it might not uh, to him though. And if that's mm-hmm. that's important to him, then he has to get his message across somehow. I guess exactly. Certainly. Yeah, but uh, like I say, but, I couldn't do a list without Spielberg. Like he is my ultimate. Like if I ever got it, like if I, I know people like to say when we do this podcast and there's a dream list that you ever want to get people on. I know we would joke about and think, if I ever got a chance, I wouldn't talk to Spielberg. I would just sit there and cry. I don't think you could. <laughs> I genuinely don't think that you could have actually spoke a word to him. I would just keep saying thank you. Just thank you. That's all I can <laughs> say. so grateful. <laughs> I'd literally just listen. Yeah, I, I think we all would. We, we would start with, right, start from Jaws and just go from there. <laughs> No, start, Everyone start got with, a drink? Start, good. With, start with Jewel. Yeah. With like, what? With, with the Jewel, right at the oh. beginning. Like, you know, start at the start and work up. How did you get here? Yes. Like, what advice would you give to anyone? Is that, I, again, I, I don't think you, you could even, it's a different time and different thing, yeah. but it's just, yeah, that one would be a special one to ever have that conversation. Mm-hmm. If, I, if it was ever possible, like, please, God, let this take off. <laughs> so yeah that's my that's my second pick okay so my third my my second pick sorry i was gonna say third i'm not quite there yet my second pick i'm going with the a master a master not just of horror but of acting in itself and someone who is such a mystery it still blows my mind that i am learning stuff about this man and i thought i knew everything it is the marvellous. He has the voice of leather. It's Vincent Price. <laughs> Vincent it's Vincent Price. Price himself. He is an absolute enigma. He really is. 
Like, did you know this man's an, a massive, well, was a massive art collector? Yep. Had one of the biggest art collections in the world. Also, he is a kook. Mm-hmm. He is a published kook who, if you buy his book, which is very expensive, by the way, <laughs> he can tell you how to cook a chicken in the washing machine. All right. That's how experimental he went with his cooking. And according to Cassandra Peterson, it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, was it a washing machine or was it a tumble dryer? I tumble dryer. Tumble yeah. dryer. That I would think make you need more to be sense. Specific here for anybody trying it at home. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put, tumble. put a chicken in the fucking washing machine right there. Watch it go. <laughs> Disclaimer if you get salmonella, it was Sammy's fault. Yeah, by me. But no, I just I think the man's just he's so interesting. The voice alone would yeah. have you gripped. He's worked across a genre of horror that that, that fit no no pattern. He's do, he did it quite a lot, like from um, House on Haunted Hill. The fucking Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. Um, House Sorry. on Haunted Hill. What was it? I'm trying to think which 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 mustard. House of Wax as well. He was yeah. House of from. House of Wax is beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful film. Um, Witchmaster General is it? Witchmaster General. Yeah. Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General. Now that that is something. That's a, that's a hard one to watch. Yeah. It's and not just because of the actual topic itself, the story itself. It's like, oh, God. It, it's a bit brutal, like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's just he's an he's an absolute enigma. Like his his interests didn't just span horror, but and he never took horror for granted either. No. Yeah, it was iconic. I think the best I can describe, like everything from look, voice to presence as well. That not tash. Many people... <laughs> <laughs> he demanded your presence. Yes, yeah, he did. Even on his last film, which is Edwards as a Hands, as we all know. Yeah. Um the last thing he did, and even then, in that, in them few seconds, you see him when he's hand when he's got the hands in front of him to give him mm-hmm. his hands, and he ends yeah. up destroying them. That look on his face, like it just commanded you to to feel something. And mm-hmm. um, he's just for me, he's he's one of the best actors ever. Not just because of horror, it just because of the way he commands. Commands an audience. Yeah, you know, he, like, he he demands your attention really when he mm-hmm. doesn't have to do anything, walks on screen, and you think, "Yep." The, <laughs> There's not the, many songs as well that sing by Michael Jackson. That <sighs> when you like, say when you do a Thriller, that you think, "Oh, Thriller!" Like the Michael Jackson bit would be the thing that you remember. It's not. No, the no. Vincent Price monologue is the standout and yep. like the thing we always think of. As soon as you hear the word thriller, there's two things. It's like when Michael screams thriller, but then you it's like say deep in the dark. Isn't it? Darkness it, falls across the night. I love it. His voice is unbelievable. The thing I'll like getting into that one a second, Paul. Um, little known fact about Michael Jackson. If you watch the Bard video, there's a cameo in there as well from someone else. Who? Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes, he's one of the dancers. Oh, yes, yeah, of course no, he is. And so is um, Kyle Reese. Yeah. Yeah. Mika- Whoa, I've just knocked everything. Michaela likes to point that out, that Kyle Reese is a dancer in the bad video for Michael Jackson. <laughs> Not many people know those ones. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but Vincent Price, like the minute you see him on House on Haunted Hill, mm-hmm. that he's the first thing you look at because he's the narrator. He's telling you what's like these, these guests are coming and you're like, 
it's it's amazing film, but it's a very much a film of its time. <laughs> I love. I, I know we talked about it. I can say it, it, it done the voiceover for the Thirteen Ghosts of uh, Scooby Doo. I can say mm. that series one, but like he was in a lot of kids' TV or kids' yeah. cartoons. Yeah, which someone from a horror actor or horror like horror background you wouldn't mm-hmm. think, but he kind of had that like universal like lineage where he could go from one area to the other mm-hmm. and not like stand out or be out of place type no, thing. It, it absolutely kind of, not. He always brought like a little bit more to it. But yeah. He's an absolute I, gentleman by all accounts as well. Yeah. Well was because he's very much not here with us anymore. <laughs> no, yes. Um but him and Peter Cushion had a very beautiful relationship as well. He mm. did it because he did some hammer horror stuff. Like that's what I mean. Like he just he bounced across horror mm. genres. He didn't just stick to one trope. He just, if it was horror, he was involved. And he, and he understood that about himself. Mm-hmm. And he was fine yeah. with that. Do you know how some people get like, a bit? it gets too much, that the typecast too much. Mm-hmm. It's like he didn't give a shit. No, he just went for it. It was like mm-hmm. um, De Niro and Pacino. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are completely typecast, but they don't care. And they just do anything. Yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, it's work. Yeah. If it's a good script... You, you, you're making something of that's it he was all about art yeah yeah he was making art and i do generally believe that when i see his films i'm watching a piece of art because he, he just because of how amazing he is and yeah. i think he would have some fantastic stories from the people who he's worked with um from the interest that he has outside of horror as well and um, i think he would be an amazing amazing guest to my table he's a very intelligent man as well so. in course, stupidly his conversation would be second at none. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my second choice is the fantastic Vincent Price. And also his um, daughter, Victoria, who still does the convention circuits on behalf of her father, yeah. has an amazing book out that tells you some real... I've not had a chance to pick it up because it is very expensive. Um, but I do want to get it at some point. So yes, mm-hmm. Vincent Price. But you didn't yeah. guess that one. Nope. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I went Christopher Lee. That might no. be on later, so don't think. It's don't. not, no. I don't, no. But that would have been a good one. Yes. Just for his metal albums alone. Just wondering, is anyone alive in your list? <laughs> um, I had this conversation with Anth earlier. There's one person, I think, alive. Oh, well, well, this is going to be a very morbid dinner party. <laughs> It's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. <laughs> well, there's a bright side. There's going to be plenty of scran for you because the other ones can't eat. Hey, that's true. So the menu's not really that, like, we could have anything. <laughs> Essentially. Bit of Greg. Like Futurama with the floating heads and jaws. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is exactly how I picture it, Grant, now. <laughs> that's something I was going to, like, I was going to message during the week as well because I know we said live or dead, but I was going to say, oh, we're going to have, like, uh, fictional or like cartoons as well, but I didn't want to overcomplicate it because that would have been. I think might have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because there's probably a few cartoon characters I would have made, but that's probably for a private conversation for another. Day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I probably would have called in sick for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, Grant, want your third pick now, sir? I can't believe I'm not the one talking about how we would eat Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> oh, Jessica. Okay. <laughs> Third pick is an absolute lunatic. Um, but what this guy brought to entertainment um, changed and sculpted a generation. 
Um, still doing it. Um, he performed at one of the biggest live events in the world this year. Uh, released a movie this year. Has, for the last over 20 years, been famous for having the shit kicked out of him. And despite the fact that he warns you every single episode not to try this at home, I think all of us have tried at least one of these at home. Um, I want to bring to the table Johnny Knoxville. Wow! I like yes! Johnny. Yes! Remember Jackass that I like? That's amazing! Um, the, the Jackass original TV series, which I finally tracked down online on a less than honest streaming service. We're um, dodgy up north of here, Grant, it's fine. Has just, it, it's taken me back to my, my late teens and early 20s. Obviously, Jackass now, I don't know if anybody's seen the most recent movie. Yeah, I have, yeah, not long ago. Those, yeah. <clears throat> those guys have beaten themselves up to the point now where really all they really want to do is a bit of cock and ball torture. Yeah. Like pretty much everything in that new movie is just them slapping their bits about a hell of a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong, it was good and all the rest of it, but we hark back to the days before they were famous. We hark back to the days before you would recognize Steve O and Johnny Knoxville mm-hmm. and um, Bam and Pontius. Brian. Just, you know, mm-hmm. if Pontius walked past you in the middle of the street these days, you'd just be like, that guy's going to have his dick out in a minute. Run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back then, <clears throat> Every, you know, everything was so, not necessarily fresh. They'd done, you know, prank shows and that kind of stuff before of people doing dumbs, not the guys from Jackass, I just mean entertainment in general, but they combined that, you know, kind of you've been framed sort of moments of, you know, yeah. Jesus Christ, what's this guy up to with, you know, stuntman and skater? Ethics, you know, yeah. I mean? skating yeah. was just becoming famous, uh, not famous, but you know, that's just around the time that skating started to become really, really big, and subsequently, all of the skating fail videos became really, really big. And this yeah. kind of harnessed that and just thought, well, we've fallen off enough skateboards to essentially be indestructible. Let's yeah. see what <laughs> crazy, dumbass stuff we can do to entertain people and week in, week out, day, you know, month in, month out, however long the shooting schedule was, they sacrificed themselves for the sake of art. And I think it takes a special kind of artist Mm. to be so dedicated that every single time they do their art, as juvenile as some may view it, that they would risk their lives for it and they would risk their lives for something they love and something that they love doing. And that's what the entire Jackass crew did. But let's be honest, Jackass is Knoxville. It is. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Jackass comes, actually, the, the program itself came from Bam Margera. Speed. Yeah, his his home videos. And that was where the essentially the, the main, like the outline came from, yep. which is why you can understand in a, in a way why Bam's a little bit pissed off about the fourth one. But know, I'm not going to get into brother, that. That was his own fault, though. So uh, that's, uh, did, it was, it, it was it, a bit grueling what they, what they asked for, but I totally agree. He could, yeah. like, if Steve O can do it, then then so there was no different. What what they asked of him was no different of what they asked for Steve O for the third film, the and he is- did it. The problem with that is Bam thinks he is Jackass. He's not. Yeah, he's not. He he's was not. when all the lasses fancied him, when he was a thin little skater boy following him. Now he's a fat old man that's addicted to drugs and everything else. I, so, just, I never I never got away with him so much. I, I don't get this wrong. I used to love Fever Bam and all that, but I always thought Bam was a prick. 
<laughs> yes, I mean his entire thing was let's torture me stepdad. Yeah, I never got, I, I, I never Good felt the I, I, when I watched Jackass, I enjoyed them having fun, but he his element wasn't fun. It was, it was torturing bu- someone. bullying. That's yeah. kind of element I got from him. Yeah, well then, um, but Novak. Oh, sorry, gone. But with Jackass, I think it it was very much of its time and hit on a perfect time because I think punk, uh, like say, a, a, well not punk, but like uh, like new new metal and punk. Um, like punk. Say, skate punk that was it sorry scar and stuff start coming Pop big um, Tony Hawk's skateboarding like the games yeah. start coming out at the same time and Jack asked what they did was very clever they incorporated all them type mm. things into the show yeah. that was hugely popular and kicking off and started like say around that kind of like a little bit of a mini revolution so yeah. everyone was like say Tony Hawk became like say like a worldwide name not just in skating and stuff like that. Like other big skaters and stuff started getting names, and they started appearing in Jackass and like doing the stunts. And then Johnny Knoxville, like say he was a glorified stuntman. Uh, yeah, he probably says it. But having the balls to do like some of the things where he got shot out of the rockets, uh, as as I, as Grant said, the latest one, uh, they did have a few younger people in doing like the more painful stunts, um, like. There was a video online of one of the outtakes that never made the film. One of the young guys uh, got dragged through a pool with sharks in, and one of the sharks bit his hand and then he ripped his arm off. So, Jesus. so yeah, so if you can go on Google and uh, not go uh, YouTube and type in uh, Jackass 4 outtakes, Shark yep. Tank, it shows him nearly losing his hand to a shark. Yeah. Uh, tell you what mine the funniest bit of that film was the the dark room where they had Dave England and Erin McGee in it and it did absolutely nothing to them. Mm-hmm. nothing but it was just in a dark room and I thought that is absolute genius yeah. it was so good but um Erin McGee did an interview because Steve-O's got a honestly Steve-O's podcast not to do another promotion of another podcast again but Steve-O is talk with Erin McGee because a lot of fans were like oh Erin's the punching bag like he's the one who gets the shit and Erin was like I know my role I know where my money comes from. I know what I've got to do. And I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. I don't oh. see it as a as a punching bag. I see it. That's my job. I like, felt I felt so sorry for him in this this one when he got punched off the heavyweight boxer. That was oh, brutal. Um, I, uh, Francis Nagano, the UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, that that was horrible. Sorry. <laughs> the, <laughs> anyway. my, my, my most favorite of favorite stunts they ever did was on one of the films where Aaron, the the terrorist taxi driver. Absolutely unreal. Whoever wrote that Um, deserves an award. It's the Um, fact that you've got that extra little bit at the end, the the extra two bits at the end. No, the bit where he finds out that his beard has been made out of all of their pubes. And And someone's got crabs as well. That's the worst. And then they they show him the crabs and he's just like... That was brilliant. I think... um, Johnny Knoxville was just a genius. He's yeah. he's a business genius. He, he yeah. knew what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he knew when to get out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Steve was famous for throwing up. That's all Steve went yeah. up done. He threw up. He done so much stupid and threw up. That or or just fling himself off a a ceiling fan and then throw up, yeah. which yeah. is all he ever fucking done. Um, I'll get weird tattoos of himself on his back as well. Yeah, Knoxville <laughs> was a genius. Like he was a business genius. He was also. He's a very funny guy. Um, yeah, I actually introduced Charlotte to a film a while ago, ironically enough, with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Called get the away. Last, <laughs> called The Last Stand. And um, Johnny Knoxville's one of the main stars in it. 
and he's easily, easily one of the highlights in it. Um, he's just he's naturally funny because he's naturally very geeky and gangly. Yeah, and he's yeah. so. I love his dress funny. sense. I, like uh, that. I think he's amazing. He's the only cast member of Jagas that I can stand. Yeah, he's just phenomenal, and so, the intelligence of the guy again is just he's brilliant. So, Grant, what's your favorite stunt from Johnny? I was just going to say there just quickly because it'll lead into me probably my favourite one as brief mm-hmm. as it is, is the fact that the one thing that I adored most about Knoxville is that he would always put himself front and centre but not in the sense that I'm going to put myself front and centre because it's going to make me the most famous although that's, there's probably a motivation behind it but a lot of the really, really dangerous stuff especially early days it was a case of no, Jocks, Knoxville's just going to do it himself Mm-hmm. When, especially as things had started to climb up a little bit and Knoxville had become more famous, there the might have been an element of, well, I'm too famous to do that. The rest of the cast can be the ones that are, um, you know, doing some seriously dangerous things. Uh, the one that I love the most and the one that makes me think that is uh, the blindfold with the bull. Yes. Oh, oh wow. well, yeah. The way it just lines up, he just goes, Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville and welcome to Jackass. And he puts the blindfold on. Doesn't he like the cigarette? A cigarette yeah. in his mouth? And then that's it. The bull just hits him and because he's blindfolded. There's no chance of him being able to move or preempt mm-hmm. what the bull's going to do or anything like that. Could, that could have gone so seriously wrong yeah. and killed him. And he did it for his art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like as well. Um, I know Donna's just pointed out one thing I was going to mention as well. He, for the promo work for the latest one, they did a lot of stuff with uh, the WWE. Uh, so Knoxville did a run with, um, uh, Sammy with, Zane. with, with Sammy Zane, Sammy Zane uh, for, when it was like uh, the start of the Royal Rumble and led up to WrestleMania. But like he was p- playing jackass pr- punks uh, pranks on Sammy Zane. Like the match was a clusterfuck of like how shit, yeah. but it was so funny. But one of the things he did, the match was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Knoxville <laughs> takes so many bumps, and Wee Man takes a kick to the face like a champ. <laughs> Have you seen that in slow motion? I've seen him when he got just picked up and thrown through a table as well. It was brutal, but there was it wasn't great, but it did its job. But one of the things I loved about it is uh, Knoxville actually got Sammy Zayn's mobile number and post, and not just posted, but got uh, like I say, an airplane to fly across the new uh, America, like sign right and showing his number. But it was actually Sami Zayn's number. So if you rang him, FaceTime him, Sami Zayn fucking picked up. So Sami Zayn was going fucking nuts. <laughs> because there's all these fans online. If you look on it, um, like all the wrestling forums and on Facebook groups, sharing photos that they've like FaceTime and Sami Zayn's picked up, picked up, getting more and more irate at them because they keep ringing them. <laughs> and Sami Zayn was showing like screenshots of his phone that he was having like 1,000 uh, like missed calls in one day or 10,000 messages from people. So he didn't actually change his number, but that was like a bit that they did. And it probably was like had thing, but it was just how hilarious that they took at that level. Yeah, I remember the Viva La Bam episode where Johnny Knoxville's in it and they do the prank wars. And it starts with um, he hacksaws Bam's um, Hummer, takes the top of it off. Um, then he reta- then Bam retaliates by painting his rental car green. Um, and it just, in the bar scene, where he ends up giving the bar staff Bam's credit card, and every two minutes, 
more drinks for my friends and just constantly buying the full but his tab was over two and a half grand but I, well, I, I admire for Johnny Vinoxville as well. It doesn't matter what he did or what he had done to him, he always laughed at the end. And it was always the Knoxville laugh. Yeah. And that was always, I thought, the, that the, was <laughs> I thought, I always thought that was like a good sport, even if it went bad or even if yeah. it was a joke on him, not just thing. Um, I, I remember when like the first series come out and stuff, when they used to go around with the hair, the razors and just share, share <laughs> the back of each other's head, head. And that started a whole craze and stuff. But yeah, Knoxville, good shout there, Grant. Excellent. So, and uh, knocking them out of the park each time here, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. So back to young Kevin. All this again. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm probably going to uh, choose someone completely expected, to be honest with you. Right, this it's might the, be the one. Come on. It's the <laughs> only musician on my list. No, maybe not. And... Unfortunately, they're no longer with us, but I know there's a bit of love for them in this group. Um, I'm going to have to go with Johnny Cash. Oh, my God. It wouldn't be a happy dinner guest, but it'll be interesting. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> it would. It would be one of the most interesting ones out there. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. what the sto- the stories this fella must have, mm-hmm. the things this fella's done, the things this fella's done on self, what he's done with his family, what he's been through, mm-hmm. what he's put himself through, Um who he's toured with, <laughs> who he started him. his career with, and God, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley. Just, yeah. well, there, there were nobodies. You'd have some absolutely phenomenal stories there. Um, I mean, if you're going back to his prime, can you imagine having a fucking drink with Johnny Cash? I'd be scared to, to be a I'd be, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd wake up three o'clock in the morning, six days later in a prison cell, 10 counties hour. Absolutely. him playing in the other room. <laughs> well, there was a, well, there was a northern lad I took for a drink and yesterday get fucked. <laughs> As he zips up. Jesus Christ, Johnny Cash would absolutely obliterate anybody in drinking the games. Yeah, but no, I think he'd be um, he'd be an interesting person to sit and have a drink mm. with. He'd be interesting to sit and have a dinner with. Um, mainly so I could pick him about his childhood. Um, it wasn't it was a happy a, one, though, was it? it? Wasn't it? Was a very religious and very brutal upbringing from his dad, mm-hmm. um, which it influenced essentially his entire life, really. Um, and then so, but so did the religion. So did his yeah. mother. His mother was a gospel singer, and that's exactly. how he learned to sing. Yep. Was and how he's learned to play was through gospel music. So. Yep. It might have not been a happy childhood, but it was a very influ- influential it, well, one. It influenced his entire life. What mm-hmm. I'd love to do with him, though, is to sit him down and watch War Card, the Dewey Cox story with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> love to see it. Because he's the a miserable them. bastard, but he could laugh at himself. Yeah. yeah, I would love to know what he thought of Joaquin Phoenix playing yeah. him. I would I'd love, love to, to know him. with us, what he thought yeah. of her. Yeah, that yeah. would be the because he wouldn't give a fuck about himself. It would. It was that is about, true. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. Yeah, June was so special, and I'd li- like to hear him talk about because you don't. There's a lot of people that talk about the you know, significant others, and it always has a positive ring. But his would be beautiful. Like the way he would talk about her and tell stories about her would be magical. It would be something that you you would take away from you and. Because like, he loved her like nobody else has loved anyone in their life type thing. He loved her that much. He died four months after her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if, you look at the, if you look at the lives and stuff like that, he didn't treat her very well. Mm-mm. But he 
fucking one when he realized what was going on he 100% changed his life mm-hmm. he, he uh I, when he when he turned his life around that was a couple of goals right there that mm-hmm. part anyway not that mm-hmm. hey i'm going to get fucking wrecked off my face and shag yeah. everybody in town thing but when but, he, not every, but not everyone's perfect and that's it. and it's the he it's the it. yeah it's the realization that shit i'm not perfect and shit i really need to change cuz yeah. I've got the best thing that ever happened to us right in front of us, and that's that's the moment. Yeah, I would one hundred percent honestly love to pick my guitar up and sit and have a jam with Johnny Cash. It would uh, thirty seconds later, I could die, but I'd be happy. Mm. <laughs> just a just emotional overload. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. One hundred percent. It'd be a conversation that you would never forget. Like there's ones where you can like say oh, I spoke to this person, you go, Oh, that's good. I spoke I, I sat down and spoke to Johnny Cash. People would sit down and go, What did you say? What, would that, that, you? that would be after he could touch his he likes, he was a beautiful man as well, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> Handsome looking man. But yeah. Um yeah, that is a really, really interesting pick as well, because it's not because even though the conversation would be amazing, it's not gonna be an easy conversation as no. well. Because he would take you to to the levels and depths where you would not want to go. Yeah. Yeah, but what do I always say? I'm not a person that's afraid to have a hard conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you. I, genuinely for, I think for all that you would have them hard conversations with them, I think you would come out with so much more than that. You would. You genuinely would. You'd come out with some life lessons. Yeah. Hundred. I honestly think anybody in the world at any point in their life needs to listen to Johnny Cash. And mm. needs to listen to what the man was saying. Yeah. Because he was so ahead of his time. Everyone goes on about Bob Dylan and stuff like that. Pfft, fuck off. No. Give us Johnny Cash. No. He said so much more in one album than Bob Dylan has for his entire career. Yeah. Yeah, I like Bob Dylan. He's good. He is good. <laughs> I don't mind him, but he's, he's not Johnny Cash, that's for sure. He's good, but until he picked up his electric guitar and then he went terrible. And then when you see Bob Dylan live now, I don't know if you have but he gets 30 seconds into a song and says, that was great. Can you remember this one? And plays 30 seconds of another one. <laughs> he doesn't play a song full anymore all the way through. He just doesn't. See, the, get the, 30 second snippets. Well, the best thing about Johnny is he never sung, he never sang the same song twice. No, he always sang it. Different. And that's how Joaquin Phoenix got away with the way that he sang in the film is because Johnny never sang the same song the second time it was always different because he was just reflect he was reflecting in the moment he was dealing with live music it's never always going to be the same and it's never always going to sound the same especially when you're dealing with live music especially when you're dealing with the drugs that he was dealing with oh christ (laughs) (laughs) from what i've read (laughs) can you imagine trying to do that on a come down or with the hangovers that he used to get like literally i'd just climb up on stage pull up a seat pick me guitar up and then just sort of turn it over to look at the fretboard and just puke in the hole. <laughs> I'm done. And I'd be asleep somewhere. That'd be me done. He was just absolutely unbelievable how he got away with what he did. And just, he was class. You know, it's pretty much all you can say about, thank mm. gosh, he was, he was the man in black. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he sent going back to Grant's number one choice. He was a massive influence on Bill Hicks as well. Mm. Oh, really? Hence the man in black. Oh, well, that makes sense now. Yep. The Alex Jones thing still blew my mind, by the way. <laughs> Can't get over that. <laughs> oh, such a good choice, though. Like, it would be such an interesting conversation. And you wouldn't talk. You'd yeah. just listen. Yep, you would. 
he'd, he'd be just one like of those his people, music. Like Spielberg, you'd say thank you, and then you'd listen. Yeah. I mean, that's the respect the man demands. Absolutely. Very good. 100% great. Cool. Good pick. So my third one now, is it? Yep. Yes. <clears throat> so I'm going to go with a bit of a selfish one, just because I don't think many people... Are big fans. No, no. I'm, 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 I can guarantee there's no cast. Of the is, is Corey Feldman sitting at our table? No, this is going to be a first podcast in the waste that, that we're not going to talk about Corey Feldman. So, my gosh. Um, I don't. My list, <laughs> I don't think many people are big fans of this guy. I am. Like I say I've loved him for every little thing he's been in. Normally, he's like a bit part player, but when he does play a main role. Like I say, it, it has impact, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He was, like I said, the best thing in what was the greatest TV show that we only ever got one season of. Um, yeah. So I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. One of the greatest lines in any TV show. Uh, Nathan Fillion uh, of Firefly, Firefly. And, and, like I say, Serenity, but again, before that, we got him in uh, Two Guys, a Girl in the Pizza Shop. Johnny, he was always just Johnny, he never had any other name, never called him by his actual name. It was Johnny, but yes, uh, Nathan Finney. I just think, uh, again, as a pure selfish reason, I would just want to sit and talk to him about Firefly and saying what could have been and what should have, should have been, what he expected from the role, and uh, even like, say, he's roles after that I loved him in Castle one of the best cop cop shows that that's been that had the worst ever Geordie accent that's ever (laughs) I'd ask him how we how we uh, coped with that accent (laughs) say was our accent much different but like say he's in like say a lot of big movies as well but you don't really realize he's in like he's in like say the Gardens of the Galaxy with the being James Gunn Suicide Squad Suicide Squad he was in as no band um Slither was one of his big roles. Like, say, one of the scariest bad guys ever in Buffy as uh, Caleb. Was it Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. When he took, took Sander's eye, was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, but uh, he was good in uh, his cameo in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. And um, he was great in his cameo in Big Bang Theory when he was yep. pretending not to be him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, um, he plays a, a very hyped-up version of himself in Con Men with yes. um, his friend, can't think, Alan Tudyk, yes. um, who is hilarious watching Fillion being this super, uber, duper asshole. <laughs> but you know fine well that's not Fillion at all. Like, no. I the loved only, it. The only sad thing is that, like I said, there was news that came out a few years ago that him and uh, the lasso who played Beckett didn't get on on set. No, they hated each other. That was one of the main reasons why, um, like I say, Castle ended the way it did or as abruptly as it did because they just couldn't get along anymore. Yeah. That, that was one of the, sad. the sad, sad things. But yeah. It's not so much sad. I mean, it doesn't matter how much of a nice person you are, which they're probably both are lovely people. It doesn't mean they're going to like each other. Mm-hmm. Some people can't have a working relationship. Yes, Dave Hobie is the voice of Green Lantern and I would love to see him Yep. As a Green Lantern. I don't know yep. which one, but just as a Green Lantern. Not how. He did petition to be in, like to, to be the Green Lantern for a long time when they were meant before Ryan Reynolds got the role. Yeah. That he was the one that was like ever the fans wanted. And that like say he actually changed his uh Twitter put picture to the Green Lantern as well. Yeah. Um but like say every episode he's in in Firefly. Like I said, he like that cast was amazing for a sci-fi show, yeah. and I know 
fuck is even though I do it by myself, I am going to do a Firefly episode. No, hell, I love Firefly. I'll join you. Just so Obviously. Just so I can wax lyrical about, like, say, the cast, because the cast is stellar. Like, from talking about, like, saying, um, like, Adam Baldwin. It was Adam, uh, wasn't it? Um, Baldwin, Adam Baldwin, but he's he's not part of the Baldwin family, though, is he? He's a cousin or something like that? He is a cousin, I think yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, him from Chuck. Chuck, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, Adam Baldwin. Then you had Alan Tudyk, Summer Glau. Summer Glau. Uh, I can't remember the the, the guy who played uh, the pre... The pre uh, the... Oh, Sam. Yeah. He was there. Uh, he passed away not long ago, didn't he? He did. I can't remember his name. Sam something. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. But I know, like I say, he who we should not name now after the show got cancelled because yeah. it was, yeah. at the time, the most expensive TV show ever made because it was costing like over a million pound per episode. Yeah. Um, but what he did as well, he, like, what a lot of people aren't, he was very um, loyal to the to the cast. So he, mm. so everyone who got like left got the choice to go into Buffy or Angel. So they got recast and re like assigned and uh, as to uh, like a certain roles and stuff. But that is, I know they finished off with the Firefly uh, Serenity movie that we got to oh, try and like say so. Which again, every beats is great, but they killed off certain characters, which broke me to this day. Oh. Um, like when they kill kill Wash off, like like yeah, I still can't get over that. But <laughs> um, it's just that TV show. Like you think of the shows that we've got, like Star Trek or Supernatural, that went on for as long as they have. And this only got one season, and the premise of it was about like space it's cowboys. Space, space cowboys, but it, it was about the team. And like the captain and his ship, and he's and how he treat them like family. If you were on the ship, and just certain like character things that they did, like I absolutely love that. Like the good guy isn't meant to do. Like when uh, that guy, the Rangers got, um, I think it's Simon, and he's about. Oh, was it was it Simon or Summer when he was trying to drag her off the Summer, ship? And he just walk. He just walks up, doesn't say a word, shoots the guy in the face. And kicks him off, and just because yeah. he was going to delay them getting caught, and then when he's got uh, like he owes the Russian uh, guy uh, like loads of money, and he took a job and he decided not to do the job, and he's got this guy kneeling in front of him and he's telling him saying, "Look, here's the money back. Uh, we don't want any hassle. This is this is it. We're not doing any more work for this person." And he, yeah. the guy on his knees just turns around and goes, "That's not going to matter. He's just going to kill him." So he just takes a sign, he boots him in the engine. And then he turns around to the other guy and says, look, and he goes, yeah, yeah, no, but take the money, jobs. It just shows you that he's proper, he's the good guy, but he's proper ruthless at the same time. He's the good guy, but can make the hard decisions. But that goes from his military background, like brown coats, like forever, like with him being still having that war Mm -hmm. and he's still not let go that he lost, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the elements when they beat back to it as well, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Like it, it's absolutely, like say, quintessential, the best sci-fi TV show I have ever seen. And that's can me. I can I ask I... a quick question? And mm-hmm. um, I remember watching it with Anne. We watched it not long ago. Oh, God, I say not long ago. It's a couple of years now. And I remember him telling us that they weren't in order. The DVD order is the correct order. But the DVD for... order. Yeah, if you buy them on DVD, right. if you stream it, it's fucked. Because um, yeah, that's that's what we did, and he was he had to try and figure out where where it went. Yeah, because basically Fox decided that the first episode wasn't action packed enough, and it was like a an hour and a half episode. 
So what they did is they wanted like, to kick it off with the start. So they'd done the train job as the first episode. Right. So that was the first episode. If you watch them on live streaming, it's the first one that comes up. And then the introduction to the Serenity and like the, the, the Firefly family is like episode two. And it doesn't make sense. And that's one of the reasons why, like, because Fox had produced and thought it was going to be have the same success as Buffy, but it kind of, you weren't introduced to the characters in the same way. Yeah. And then they start changing time slots. I think it was started off at Friday night at eight o'clock and they got moved to like 10 o'clock, then moved to Thursday. Right. And then it got moved to the time slot where shows go to die. I think that's where Fox puts them and that's when the new <laughs> one's going to end. But the sad thing about it as well on the show, I know we're going to talk about this there if we do the episode. Um, I think it's on episode 10 or, or one of them where the burying one of the old people that comes back and that's when they got told that the show was cancelled so they actually said in, like, if you look on the extras they thought they were burying the show as they were burying the oh thing so when so but it's such a poignant as well oh. but uh, oh, I know sorry Goodwill's just mentioned in the chat that Disney Plus have it in the right order now that's so good to know thank that's, you Goodwill so right. I get a lot of crap for it but I think um, aspects of Firefly carried over into the new cowboy bebop show mm. right the family uh... thing the comedy aspect of it um the loyalty parts of it um a lot a lot of it did carry over into it mm-hmm. it wasn't the greatest show it didn't have the greatest ending and it got cancelled um but it's a show that i genuinely did enjoy but it has but the john show was fantastic anime is one of my favorite mm-hmm. ever animes made the series the film is just absolutely perfect but i do get what you mean i can feel that kind of vibe but, from it but that's why firefly done so well because the whole premise of it was the two big superpowers in the world kind of combined and they they rule over so that like say they had american and chinese uh elements to it mm. that's why when they're yeah. walking around they swear in chinese and stuff and and everything's like the, even like the some of the fashion still like old western but like old eastern as well but um as a like I said, this is a promise, though. If when we do get the to do the episode with the podcast about Firefly, I know Goodwill has said he wants to go on as yeah, well. Yeah, and definitely. Me and Goodwill will sing the Jane song. So that, right. that is a promise. So Goodwill, you have to live up to that promise. Yeah, now. Goodwill. <laughs> I know you're in the chat because you have just told us about that Disney Plus thing. I, do you know what? I'm really glad he said that because it has actually put me off wanting to watch it again. Because the the... The, what we had to do in order to get the order originally because Anth wanted to make sure because Anth loves it and he wanted to make sure I watched it in the right way and um, it was a pain in the ass and it kind of did like oh, God, I throw this again just to watch yeah just to just to watch this just to watch an episode we've got to go through all this so the notes on Disney plus thank you goodwill cool. so that's my third pick yes good choice cool. okay okay so my third pick um I'm gonna go with I've got two directors. I'm going to go with this first one. So it's, everyone knows my favorite film of all time. (laughs) So how could I not pick the guy who, who had such a hand in not just this film, not just the second one, but the most recent one that we had to date and who sadly passed away last year, last year, Ivan Reitman. Mm. And I just want to sit there and say thank you. Thank you for giving me, I'm going to cry. Thank you (laughs) for giving me something that I have carried with me for nearly 30, 35, 36, maybe even 37 years. Like I just, 
I've had it with us since as long as I can remember. I still have it today. And it's all because, he, I mean, I know, don't get us wrong, and I know I understand Dan Aykroyd and, and that, but he brought the vision to life and he continued. He brought um, Ghost Corpse um, to life in 2017. This is why we have what we have right now is because of him and Dan saying, you know, we need to, we've got a community out there. Let's, let's, let's build on that. And Ghost Corpse became a reality. Um, now we have his son who um, is continuing on the legacy. Yeah. Um, we're going to have another film. Is it confirmed? Um, they had a they had the Ghostbusters fan day not long ago. Dan Aykroyd pretty much handed the baton to Ivan Reitman and the rest of the crew who were from Afterlife and said, it's yours. It's all yours now. We've got another series coming as well, haven't we? An yeah. animated one. Yeah. It's called Firehouse, this thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But I just... Working title for it, yeah. I can't. I don't... I, the only thing I could possibly say to him, and God, you would have so many stories, but I would just say thank you. That's it. We're getting a lot of that today. <laughs> yeah. It's because I think if you're going to have a, have somebody you want at your table, there's a reason for that. So you yeah. want to... You want to give them a message or you want to ask them a question, you want to know something. I just I just want them to know what it means to us for what he did. And it's like it sounds ridiculous when I'm talking about like it's Ghostbusters. <laughs> but no, to, to me, it's yeah. everything. Yeah. Like I say, that's what got you your like your nerd wings, shall we say? It As did. like Donna got a goth wings, you got your nerd wings in yeah. watching gosh. Ghostbusters. It was the first thing like I I've, I had a, had a, a, a very close relationship with my older cousin and everything was his. Mm-hmm. So Star Wars was his, Transformers was his. They were all his because he knew them first. So I was just jumping on the bandwagon, yeah. and then Ghostbusters came along, and that was mine. Just just get, get Sam a little bit jealous there as well. So I'll just you yeah, just behave. I can see it, man. I can see it. <laughs> just behave. See, look at the firehouse and look at the toys. Look at it's... all the toys. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I don't know what's... Hear you, but I've got a bit of an animal thing going on. I'll be back oh, in a <laughs> no worries, Grant. Um, I'm just, it's, do you know what more disturbs me about your collection? The amount that's out the box. Yep. That, that's it. Like, everything, I, I love it. Don't get us wrong, I love it. But it's like, <gasps> oh, would you get them out the box? Yeah, uh, if it's out the box, I'm not buying Please it, like... don't, don't. <laughs> it's only Venkman, it's fine. Oh, that's okay then. <laughs> If it was Egon, we'd be having words. But no, Ivan Ivan Reitman um, is is my pick, and I bumped him off. I bumped him off for Elvira. All right, because I've already got Vincent Price. I so I was like, I'd guess you'd pick Elvira. No, I, I bumped her off. Yeah. Bumped her mm. off the table because I've got her autobiography there to read. So I want to read that one first. <laughs> <laughs> more about your subject. But no, just just the last few the last few weeks, I've just been um, I've just been reflecting on ghost. This is why I sat and watched our Ghostbusters review last night, the one from Afterlife, because I've just been sitting reflecting on how amazing last year was when that film came out. Yeah, like it's been a long time since not only the buzz of mm-hmm. something and the anticipation, but the the payback. Yeah. We got payback. It was beautiful. Like that film was beautiful. There's only a couple of things about that film that had changed. Which it was probably rare. Yeah. It was probably the most the best cinematic experience I've had since Jurassic Park. Wow. I mean That's bold. possibly mm. it's 
Mm-hmm. It's right up there. Like it really is right mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like the, the build up to it, like from that first ever mm-hmm. tra- like teaser trailer where we saw Ector one. Yeah. To right up to the actual the actual film. There's just it was oh it's just fantastic. I've never felt Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever will again feel that kind of experience. And I really have dragged out this conversation in order for Grant to come back. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I think it's been good. I um, could hear you, so I just couldn't interject. No, I just, I just wanted oh, to make sure Bluetooth. that you got back. <laughs> but to be fair, though, if you think about the films that, like, I take away the Ghostbusters aspect. Like, I've got a list of these movies here. Like, say, Ivan Reitman, like, you've got Ghostbusters, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, yep. um, Stripes, Stripes, Evolution, Stripes, Meatball, Junior. Um, Animal House, Six Days, Seven Nights. Ooh. But it had, it had uh, Harrison Ford in. I'll give him that. He liked that film. Anne Hessian as well. She's pretty cool. Yeah. And, the, and the best one of the best dog movies ever, Beethoven. I haven't read into Beethoven. Yeah, he had something to do with it. Beethoven, wow. Beethoven 2, uh, uh, Space Jam, um, Old School, it says he was involved in, Road Trip. Yeah. So, again, a lot of different things and a lot of different aspects. He, he has Strange. had his finger in a lot of pies. Yeah. So, um, like, like I said, it's probably stayed on the comedy tour type thing. But yeah, but I think of... I think that was his strongest point, though, wasn't it? it was comedy. Mm. But a lot of like say, same beats and same things, but again, similar to like Spielberg, a lot of our childhood there. Yeah, yeah. kindergarten cop. Mm-hmm. Stripes, man. Mm-hmm. Like Animal Animal House is one of my dad's favorite films, so I, I kind of. I love it for that. I love it because it's a really good film, but I love it because he loves it. Um, mm. I didn't know about which one did you say? Road Road Trip. Road Trip. Road Trip. Sounds yeah. cool. Like it's, I don't think he directed, but like I say, it would have been his production company. Or, yeah, that, like that's say, what I was thinking. Mm. It's just really it. It's beautiful and it's sad that we lost him. But I honestly, I look at it as in he got he got to see Afterlife and he got to see the effect of it on the fan base and the community mm. and. And then, then it was okay. Like, yep. I'm. It's okay to go. Kind of. Do you know what I mean? That's how. Like, I've been. It was I've almost like the, like, watch, like the end. Like not to give spoilers here, but the end of Ghostbusters. Ego, Egon going yes. away. Yeah. So it's. it's yes, like, it was. It, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> there were some beautiful moments in that film. It got a lot of hate as well. And uh, I'm not listening to it. It's great. Um, yeah. that that moment for me, like that, like that film in the cinema. As Paul said before, was one of the greatest cinematic experiences ever. Mm-hmm. As far as I can think, there's only one or two that can top that for me, and it's not the film itself. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a creature feature out a couple, well, about two or three years ago called Crawl. I've seen it. Me wow! And Charlotte went to the cinema for it. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> me and Charlotte went to the cinema for it, and it's about four rows in front of us there was like four pensioners that came in in couples sat wow. down beside it and you could hear them talking. They're like, you haven't seen a creature feature like this in years. <gasps> and it was just proper lush. It was like little couple goals. Wow. You had little old grannies. And that is what I saw when I went to see uh, Afterlife as well. You had so many people coming in. This is going to be fantastic. It's going to come on from the second one. You had them proper animated and excited yeah. and showing their kids what they were watching. Yeah. It's like I a hand just, again. The film is a hand in the torch, yeah. like passing the torch. It was exactly the same as a movie like experience for like adults passing it to their kids. Like I'm now yeah. passing it on. I've had a similar experience like that in the cinema. Um, we went to see oh, what's it called? It was a oh, Dun- um, Dunkirk. 
Oh, God, I went to see Dunkirk <laughs> and it was on a Friday, like Friday mid morning afternoon, and it was filled with nothing but pensioners. And me and Carolyn sat in, these people were gripped. And there was two young ones sitting at the back of the, the cinema laughing and giggling. And the lot of them turned around and it was like, well, you just show some goddamn respect. And they just got up and let, and honestly, me and Carolyn were, had chills watching it with these people. It was such an experience. Like, I can't, like, I will never get that again. Yeah, you know, The only time you'll ever see something like that is in a war film. Yeah. Because you've you've got stuff like that that's true stories. Yeah. Like you've got Dunkirk, you've got Saving Private Ryan, you've got Black Hawk Down. Um, you most war stories are true stories. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's in some aspect, even Platoon at some point was a true story. Like what mm-hmm. they went through, what like yeah. the, horror, the racism, mm-hmm. the Agent Orange side effects, the um, Forrest Gump, for instance. Like sometimes it rained for days, and sometimes it felt like the rain came from upside down, and all of a sudden something bit me. You, you never saw what was shooting at you until it was yeah. two days. Um, there's loads of true aspects to these stories, mm-hmm. and you'll not get the actual feeling of it until you sat in a pic, like in the pictures, mm-hmm. with people that have been through it. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it's such a it's such a not bizarre, but it's very special. Yeah, it's really really special when you when you look around and your whole audience is people who will remember it or were yeah. there or do you know or a family yeah. member's experience it was lovely yeah. it's like um, oh. we, we went to see 1917 it was um, uh, i think i think dave hope correct us i think it was um 19, uh, i can't remember it now but dave give us the right date so I oh i thought he i thought he was correcting jaws <laughs> <laughs> oh yes was it all right it must have been sorry i thought he was correcting jaws been, but he might have <laughs> it must, must have been jaws and sorry i just my brains went to mush there uh, sorry sorry Kevin, first world war was yeah. definitely not 1917 <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to see 1917 and there's um there's a scene in that where one of them gets stabbed and literally, I just remember grabbing Charlotte's arm, and I was like, "Oh God, oh!" And I just knew what was coming, and you just you saw how fast he went, and mm-hmm. just how he was when he was going. And you, you, people are sat like giggling away, like, "Oh, this doesn't know that's exactly how it fucking happens." Yeah, it's it's, it's not a pleasant thing to see. It's not mm-hmm. a pleasant thing to have done, and you. you you don't understand it until you're there with someone who's had it done. Yeah, yeah. Some, like no, no, in a room with these people and seen it. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a show, special feeling. As you said, show some respect. Yeah, yeah, but I think like say with like say this one as well. I think we've been waiting for it for so long. Like as fans, most of it, like say a lot of the fans that grew up when it has families yeah. and grown up. Mm-hmm. I know, like say a friend of the podcast, Laura, um, yeah. she yeah. and her yeah. family, and seeing pictures of Bobby getting dressed up as a oh, Ghostbuster, and yeah. so uh, hopes to mind seeing like say how excited he got for the movie. Like say it just gives you like hope, and yeah. like, like say that's the thing, and that's what I love about it, and like say a great pick as well. Um, again, yeah. So. So yes, uh, so moving on down. Uh, since moving he's, on down, moving on down. Since he's finished attack, the attack of the animals. Um, <laughs> Grant's next pick, Dr. Doolittle. So yes. <laughs> Decent segue as well with all of this talk of uh, war and true stories and that kind of thing into my next pick. It's somebody that I have spoken about at relatively great length on the podcast before. I spoke about very, very specific work of theirs. Um, It's somebody that I discovered in my early teens and it has got to the point now where I have collected their 
full collected works. Um, I've got rarities. I've got signed editions and this and that and the other are widely regarded as probably the greatest author of the 20th century. And also, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, has infiltrated nerdy culture in ways that people don't even comprehend because there's little references and little quotes and that kind of stuff. I've got three quotes lined up here that are three of my absolute favorites. Um, The author, Kurt Vonnegut, would Ah. most definitely be around my table. Now, I mentioned the war there before because the quotes will reflect the point at which, uh, the point that I'm trying to make in relation to the war. Um, Kurt Vonnegut's book, Slothouse Five, which I mentioned on the charity podcast. Yes. You two guys are probably far too, were probably far too tired to remember anything. That no, I, I actually do from remember me it. Screaming at my laptop for not working. I, I do remember your hour very well because I was <clears> so, in, I was so enthralled by what you were saying. I loved it. Uh, we'll we'll take it back a little bit on the cut because um, I mentioned it on the podcast um, at the time that Slaughterhouse Five was semi autobiographical in the sense that the main character Billy Pilgrim was uh, for parts of the book a prisoner of war uh, outside of Dresden during the Dresden bombings in the Second World War, the biggest loss of life that the Allies inflicted in a single night. 200,000 people wiped out overnight with the firebombings of Dresden. And Kurt Vonnegut was a prisoner of war outside of Dresden during the Dresden bombings. He sat there in that camp and watched the city burn, watched a quarter of a million people get wiped out. And a lot of times in life, war will harden people. Um, It will make them cynical. It will make them angry. Um, And Vonnegut, was not affected in such a way. When Vonnegut left that situation and he came out of the 40s into the 50s as a sci-fi writer, writing tiny little sci-fi stories for what was essentially pornographic magazines um, back in the day. Got to get money um, out. Take money, money, money. Well, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's where all of the sci-fi writers were at the time. You know, we're talking before the moon landing and that kind of stuff. You know, the, the mere fact of leaving the planet was, uh, you know, an unthought of act of fiction. And I've got a beautiful quote here from him, uh, going back somewhat to Bill Hicks and how the people that I've listed have sculpted my viewpoint on life. Uh, This is, like I say, I've got three, but this is one of his most beautiful ones. It's a little bit lengthy. And the quote is, be soft. Do not let the world make you hard. Do not let the pain make you hate. Do not let the bitterness steal your sweetness. Take pride that even though the rest of the world may disagree, you still believe that the world is a beautiful place. And for him to come out of having witnessed such horrors in his early life, in his formative years, to progress and to speak a message that was all about, God, I'm going back again, you fucking little hippie grant <laughs> about Grant's caring for each other side. and <laughs> loving each other and following your dreams no matter what um all even through like his early stuff where it was very much sci-fi and it was just mm-hmm. sci-fi in his latter years he became a little bit more avant-garde a little bit more critical of the world and a little bit more directly critical in the world um, when I say avant-garde, you know, he's got a, a novel called Timequake, 
which <laughs> was supposed to be a book about a bizarre incident that happened that involved time travel, but he couldn't get the book right. So what he ended up was writing a book about writing the book Time Quake. <laughs> and every once in a while, he throws a random chapter that he had written for Time Quake, the novel, into Time Quake, the book. And then the next chapter will be like, I couldn't think of a chapter that came after this. So I'm just going to tell you a, a story about some random stuff that happened to me. It was so, let's say, so off the wall, but also peaceful at the same time. And he made no bones about the fact that he didn't regard himself as being very good at his mm. art. History will remember Vonnegut as one of the greatest authors to have ever lived. But during his lifetime, he never thought much of himself. He just much the same as the the top five albums when I was talking about Terry Reed and just kind of going, he just did what he did and he didn't care mm-hmm. whether people liked it or whether people hated it. He just kept doing it. Second quote right here, practice art, practice music, singing, dancing, acting, drawing, painting, sculpting, poetry, fiction, essays, reportage, no matter how well or badly not to get money and fame, but to experience becoming, to find out what's inside you and what makes your soul grow. And that is a quote I've that has stayed. Ball in a minute. <laughs> you haven't it's heard my last time pick he's yet. Got us. This is making you cry. My last pick is going to have you curled up on that couch behind you, Sammy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm nearly there, is, Grant. I'm nearly that there. is perfection to me in the way that mm-hmm. art and the way that creativity should be put across to people that want to be artistic yep. and want to be creative. We've got such an emphasis in society that it's mm-hmm. only worth doing something if you're good at it. Yeah, and th- that's, that's not true. That's yeah, no, no, awful. You can be if you enjoy drawing. It doesn't matter if you're drawing stick figures or you're drawing the Mona Lisa. If you enjoy doing it, do it because that's what makes. To be you fair, feel it like makes you you like you're it's, alive. Yes, yeah. but that's yeah. that's pretty much us at this moment in time. We're not very good at this podcast. <laughs> and we keep keep doing a week in a week out but i say we don't make any money from this we don't get anything from it other than just basically having a bit laugh with your mates and we have i class this as my therapy session (laughs) what paul said is absolutely perfect there Mm. though because okay the podcast you know we're doing all right we've got people watching and that kind of stuff but how many people in the world after three months of doing it would have gone there's some Japanese kid getting millions of fucking viewers for playing Mario Kart and I'm not getting it I'm going to give it up you know Mm -hmm. what I mean we're doing what we're doing because we love talking about what we're talking about and that's the emphasis of what Vonnegut put across and this guy we're not talking about a very very recent author here most of this stuff was written in the 50s Mm -hmm. um, the 60s he was writing right up until the 2000s but the majority of his real formative works were written at a time not just before a technological revolution, but before, uh, like, a uh, what's the right word? Um, a cultural revolution as well. He was writing these things before black people had any rights. He was writing these things before women were allowed to vote in a lot of countries. He was mm-hmm. writing these things in a culture where being gay was still illegal. Mm-hmm. And he was just putting these things out there going, will you all just be lovely to each other? 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop ranting now, but I'm going to finish it with my favourite Kurt Vonnegut quote ever, and it is only a small one. I believe it is still my cover photo on Facebook at the moment, because it rarely ever gets changed. Short, sharp, and to the point. A purpose of human life, no matter who is controlling it, is to love whoever is around to be loved. And that's it right there. Be fucking nice to people. And I think Kurt Vonnegut and Bill Hicks around the same table preaching this. Yeah. This mentality that we should all. You're a fucking hippie, Grant, aren't you? No, you're probably little goth. They're all sitting here in the darkness and now we've got pasty little Sammy in the light. (laughs) Well, thanks. Thanks for pointing out how pasty I am. I appreciate that. We would not have you any other way, well, little gothic princess that you are. Um, He'll definitely make it all red soon. I know Vonnegut's not one that anybody else knows about. Like, a lot, I know you haven't read his books, but you might have seen odd films or things that have been adapted from his stuff, which is why I'm just still talking, because I'm fairly certain that if I stop, you guys are going to go... Yeah, good pick, right? Next. (laughs) (laughs) No, what you've just said there is is not short of just beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it, 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 it like opens your eyes and thinks like, say, people should be a bit nicer and like, say, like, everyone likes a bit of controversy, yes, and have a bit... A little bit thing. of drama llama. But like, as I said, the whole premise and the idea behind the nerdy up north community is people not to like, say, be all hippie dippy and love and, well, free love, that would have been interesting. Donna, sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um... Dips on Kev. <laughs> you don't need dibs, Grant. You just need to buy his dinner. But Beautiful. yeah, it's kind of like that, that people know, like, see, you, people can like things and love things and not feel ashamed or be penalized or. Uh, like bastardized just because the debt to have an opinion on something that might go against you. like I've always said things as well you can be nice about saying things where you say things as well like even if you don't like something don't just say I don't like something tell me why that's that's interesting that's a yeah. conversation I've I've never said people would would basically um, like can't not like something or can't think there's a lot of things I watched recently or like say the past I've not just not got but I can tell you why and, yeah. what, and that, like that that conversation has always been interesting to me but it's the Absolutely. people like all the communities or the fandoms that say you can't like this because you like this or you can't do this because that and like say be so angry and hatred towards something or mm-hmm. you can't be in this because you're black you can't be in this because you're a woman you can't be in this because you're gay that 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 seems alien to me and i can't get on board with anything and like say what you've just said is just like everything that we're trying to do basically it is it is it's every it's even in me um the beginning part where i do the disclaimer we're we're happy to have open discussions with people, but what we won't have is anyone come for anyone who do you disagree with. Mm-hmm. We can all we can all agree to disagree, but it's just the the level of what you do. Mm-hmm. But Grant, if, that was just so beautiful. Can if I just we want a little bit of nerdy something. fandom, yeah, go, Kev. Paul, mm-hmm. don't put us off to Grant again, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hate me for the next one, mate. But awesome. Just going back to the nerdiness. Raising the game. Quickly, because a lot of um, Vonnegut stuff was very, very difficult to put into film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was done once um, 
relatively successfully in the late 90s. Uh, they turned one of his books into a satire movie, um, a movie called Breakfast, of, well, a book called Breakfast of Champions. Breakfast Club. Oh, um, <laughs> that was uh, turned into a movie and the casting was surprisingly well done. Um, the main character, Dwayne Hoover, who is a, a, car, a car salesman that basically loses his mind, uh, was played by Bruce Willis. I was talking about you guys. Yeah, yeah, I was telling you, I was just listening to you. Yeah, well, listen to you again. <laughs> I just I don't know what film you're referring to. <laughs> uh, sorry, so the, the movie, like I said, it's called Breakfast of Champions. It's one of his more famous books, but you've got uh, Bruce Willis playing the main character, and the main kind of antagonist in it was played by Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they did it okay. It's one of his slightly more grounded movies. Um, like I said, it's basically a used car salesman that loses his mind a little bit and starts hallucinating and all the rest of it. But it's, it's quite well put together. So if anybody can't be asked to read any of these guys' books, but they're sitting there listening to me and not thinking that I'm talking complete shit, then go and check out Breakfast the Champions, the movie, because it is it's a good segue into the kind of stuff that he wrote and the kind of... Uh, a relatively good adaptation of what you put down in the book. You know, it, it stays relatively faithful um, and it, it's entertaining. You know, you, you get to see Bruce Willis um, watching a giant duck conducting traffic in the middle of the street. Um, <laughs> yes. as you ever watch. Yeah. Very interesting. That's yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> and there'll probably be people checking out that book now. Um but let's have a quick look. So we're moving on to Kev. So follow that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Maybe a and a half words, Paul. <laughs> Next nerdy up north night out. You are literally my bitch, and I'm not right. bringing lube or the long rubber glove. Oh, sorry, it's oh fine. my gosh, you're in for a good time, Paul. Oh, it's going to be a good time. Trust us. Sure, you, wouldn't even, that. you won't even touch the sides. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> my hands. <laughs> Now, now, fellas, now, now. Have you seen me, asshole? Oh, my gosh! (laughs) It's like a broken... Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) So it wasn't Grant Lower in the tone this time, it was us. Happy days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'll start off with a quote, um, because this fella is... He's not on many people's lists, like not many people like him. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, but as a person, I think he's absolutely fascinating. I think he's just... So it is one of my favourite quotes by him is there's a fine line between the method actor and the schizophrenic. All right. Because there is, because you put yourself in these situations and you're a different person and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there. Um, but this fella is very, 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 very out there. He's a massive nerd. A lot of people don't like him. Um, that's Nick Cage. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to go with Daniel Day-Lewis there for a second. No, I can't stand Daniel Day-Lewis. Wait, sorry. Um, sorry. It's, it's Nick Cage. The man is just oh, absolutely batshit crazy. He doesn't care. Mm-mm-mm. He's gone absolutely off the rock, like off his rocker. He's, he's making so many good fucking choices. He has, found so his, he has Have found his genre. you seen the unbearable genre? weight of massive talent? Mm? Have you seen the unbearable weight of massive talent? No, never even heard of it. We watched it yesterday, and it literally made me fall in love with Nick Cage again. Wow. Essentially, he's Nick Cage playing himself. Yeah, he's got no work. He's in debt. 
he hasn't paid his bills. <laughs> so he's getting a divorce. You can tell this was quite real autobiographical. Yeah, <laughs> quite real realistic life. for Nick Cage. Um, his agent is Neil Patrick Harris. Excellent. Who books him a gig being a guest of honour at Pedro Pascal's birthday party. But it's not Pedro Pascal. It's who's Pedro Pascal's playing. Yeah. So they fly him out to Malta or wherever it is, some like area out there. Um, and he ends up in a CIA sting against arms smugglers <laughs> while he's off his tits on acid. Wow. To be fair, though, this is an absolute genius choice in pick because the conversations you were had would be wild and just like out there. He's like, everything. Yeah. Everything. And at the and, moment, I am loving his choices. I watched, um, what's the animatronic one called? Uh, or um, One Night at Willie's or something. Yeah, it's based on like uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Willie's Wonderland. Wonderland. Yeah. He doesn't say a goddamn word in that he just film. Grunts. And he doesn't have to. It's unbelievable. It's Mandy was brilliant. Excellent. As well. Mandy is a masterpiece. Color what was that? Space. What was the other one he did? Mom and Dad yeah. was unbelievable Mom as well. Mom and Dad was brilliant. Uh, pig as well, he's done recently. Couldn't get into Pig. Tried, got halfway through it, and I just thought, this is shit. Too um, hard house for me. Did anyone watch the Lovecraft one? Uh, Colorado Space. Yeah, that was nasty. That one. Did anyone watch the TV show uh, Community? Yes. They're doing an episode where one of the main characters uh, (laughs) he he basically does a a class on Nicolas Cage, and the homework is to watch uh, three Nicolas Cage movies and get like a different like viewpoint and like how he reacts but the instructor actually tells him not to go too deep and he goes and he does a whole like three day marathon of watching Nick Cage movies and he comes yeah. into the class and he's just brains melted and he's like oh, 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 can't talk he's like because he says is Nick Cage he, he describes it as Nick Cage an idiot a, a, a genius or is he everything that everything's always in but he's always entertaining like he makes a movie, like even if you go from like his older stuff, like Raising Arizona, I loved it. Uh, uh, Co- uh, Con Air, which was uh, one of the most cheesiest films ever. But... Love Con Air. I didn't like Con Air. I preferred The Rock. To this, uh, to this day, leaving Las Vegas every time I watch it, I'm classic. like, I'm never touching an alcoholic drink ever again. That I scene where he's drinking that. vodka in the shower, I'm just like, no, that's I, it. And I've been like that since I was that. 18, watching that film. Every time I've seen it, it's like, no, never doing it again. I yeah. love that film. I think his best, like his two best films for me are the ones that nobody will ever expect from me. Because obviously I'm a massive action fan. Everyone's going to expect The Rock, Con Air, um, Bangkok Dangerous, something like that. City of Angels. Mm-hmm. City of oh. Angels is a good film. It was beautiful. Um, plus it had Raymond Holden from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh. And they done a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where Jake and Kevin were in the safe house and they had nothing but Nicolas Cage movies to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, that one there. I like the little yeah. reference there. So City of Angels is one that I find absolutely beautiful. It's just an amazing film and I'm not going to lie, I was in bits at the end of that one. Um, like literal tears. Um, and The Family Man. I don't know if anyone's seen that. I love yeah. The Family Man. Wait. It's not Christmas without it. It's yeah. not. It, it's such a It's such a wholesome film. It's, it's almost... Woman. It really is. It is like, it has like Christmas Carol vibes to it because obviously yep. he's put into a life that's not his and yep. showing the error of his ways and it's beautiful. It just goes to show the man has range. Yeah, massive. You've got, you've got the likes of Valley Girl, Raising Arizona, Family Man, City mm-hmm. of Angels, Leaving Las Vegas. One of the best. Crap. 
like I'm quite dangerous. But one of the best superhero movies ever made, Kick Ass. Oh, Kick Ass. What does he scream when he's getting when he's when he's dying? Oh, I can't remember. Now. Oh, it is so funny as well. <laughs> oh, there's a kryptonite or something. I don't know. It's just oh, something it's, daft. It's, I'll have to find the sign, sound bite and put it on the Facebook group because it is so good. You've got the Wicker Man as well with the bees. <laughs> no, not the bees. Uh, Absolutely eight hilarious. Millimeter, man. Eight mil. Eight mil. Um, oh, that's an uncomfortable watch. I, I can't watch it. Horrible film, but it's yeah. It's darker stuff. That's my favourite. Yeah. Mandy unreal. is. Is, was a game changer for me. Mandy's unbelievable. Saw um, him in a completely different light as after Mandy. Like, don't I like Snake Eyes. I can't. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand Snake Eyes. <laughs> Snake Eyes was. Uh, it was essentially he was a corrupt copper. Yeah, but um, I, they got involved in a murder mystery, and he decided to do the right thing for once. That was it. There's there's nothing more to it. Just didn't make sense when you're watching it though. Like when you watch. No, it, I was cut. Oh, what about um, Face Off? Face Off was class. Absolutely. I love Face Off. No, it makes absolutely no sense no, at all. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but it's but just it wasn't movie good magic. for Nick Cage. It was good for John Travolta. <laughs> yes. It was really good for John Travolta. I, I think Travolta it was much was fantastic. It was needed for Travolta. His career needed to come back, and that's needed it. And that's but, uh, that's where it came from. But Nick Cage that's is a massive nerd as well. I mean, Switch to Kryptonite. Thank you so much, dear Pope. Thank yep. you. Yep. He's a he's a massive nerd. I mean, his son's Kalel. You know. Mm. Yes. We, nearly had, we nearly had him as Superman. If, uh, we did. Tim Burton had his way. Like seeing yeah. the, the outfits that we saw. Yeah, we nearly had him. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, I just, I'm a, I've got a massive love for Nick Cage. The man's just, he's unbelievable. He's made his massive mistakes. Mm-hmm. He's been a dick. I don't like the fact that he's got, like, the whole Hollywood complex of, you know, I've got to have a wife that's 40 years younger than us. Mm-hmm. That's a bit more for me. But, no, it's each I, wrong with that sort of stuff. Um, I I always felt a bit sorry for him because yeah. he comes. He comes from. He comes from Hollywood royalty. He's a, he's a. He's a. He's a coupler, yeah. and that that means something. Yeah. And I always used to think that Nick Cage was hamming it up. That, but that, but for him, that was just his acting and thinking that he had to really overstretch it in order to become that successful actor that you would expect it to come from his family. But yeah. when he stripped that back and in Willie's Wonderland, when he doesn't say anything. And just his presence. Exactly. Mm. That is what works. But and I look, always used to think he, he overdone it because he was trying to prove that I'm I'm part I'm just a part of this family as anyone else. But if you want a role where he doesn't overdo it and proves that he can act and he can grip your attention, Lord of War. Uh, Lord mm, of War was know. unbelievable. Even one of the best films out there. Yeah, Weatherman he was interesting, even Weatherman though it was like the most brilliant weird film but like, see, seeing seeing Nick Cage go full Nick Cage and have a mental yeah. breakdown as well that, that was always quite interesting but it was good mm. but can you imagine the conversations you could have with him because he's worked with everyone yeah. that's true like he has he's worked with everyone I mean you've got the likes of Sean Connery mm-hmm. John Malkovich Steve Buscemi Ving Rames Andre Braga you've got literally everyone he's mm. just unreal just ask if Sean Connery slapped him around at all like, yeah, just to see if it happened having seen a film that he'd done I can't remember what it was called but it had um, Horatio Kane in it from CSI Miami and seen the size that Nicolas Cage can literally get because he was fucking massive in that and he was using a fucking stripper for doing uh, like the bench press he was huge in that um, 
I would literally pity Sean Connery trying to slob him. <laughs> it, it would break his hand. Definitely. So that was next year. I, I know I was taking the piss before, but that was a fucking mega pick, that one, though. So well done, Kev. You yeah. brought it back there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't put us after Grant again. <laughs> this one's going to kill us. Go on, then, Paul. What's your yes. fourth? No problem. So I'm just going to load. Thanks, yes, because... I think someone just popped in the chat that probably shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, one of them. Oh, he's just already been deleted. So well done there, Goodwill. Thank you, uh-huh. Goodwill. But yes, um, so mine. Um, I've, <laughs> I thought about um, the last few picks. Now, it was between three or four, but I thought this guy would just be an absolutely an amazing character to have like say at a dinner party and to be fair I would just get him to sit there and just quote his movies to us all all day long um, I've even got the light out just for it as well and I'll quote it I wonder why he was sitting in the dark for I'll quote it <laughs> groovy ah, <laughs> so, yes. get, the, get the chin but I just think it would be absolutely hilarious just to see like the B-movie king because every interview and like when I read his book as well he is an interesting man. He, is, he, uh, really he is. doesn't take anything too serious. He he knows how lucky he is and how fortunate he is. And but I don't think he gets credit for what he can do as well because he does mm. like like see he is the cheesiest bloke in horror. Uh, and most time his his comments and stuff like see in the movies um, are just crap fantastic. But the things but when he does like other movies like Bubba Hoftep. Um, like I say, playing an Elvis oh, with the screaming uh, brain. And, yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. But I just would love to hear his stories and just like how he, like I say, like gets on in Hollywood or how he deals with his fame and stuff. Because he's probably one of the most famous, uh, like B movie actors out there yeah. uh, from his roles. And like I say, he's a mainstay now in like in pop culture with his Marvel appearances yeah. and how he was was meant to. Ha- going to be a bigger part in the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans yeah. but when the film didn't go up any further because he was supposed to be going to be Mister- uh, Quentin Mysterio. Beck he was going to be Mysterio really? Yeah. but that was the character he was playing all the way through because there was the ring announcer and he was the yeah. theatre guy so he was trying to get into this, uh, the movies so that was the idea that they were going to bring him in as the guy that <sighs> kept on stopping Spider-Man or Peter Parker yeah. and he was going to be like they were going to go a full fishbowl on his head and everything is going to be unbelievable. I'll still say my favourite role of his, apart from Ash, because everyone loves Ash. Yeah, yeah. My, my favourite role of his is in Maniac Cop. Mm. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Campbell, you've brought him in with. I've I've actually got like a really really fun memory with um one of the one of the people in the group actually um Jen Moore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, we had a massive Bruce Campbell marathon with Pizza Hut one day when I was having a shit time like literally a terrible time i was working for a, a certain gym chain uh, that's in sunderland and around that area um and it my life was just absolutely abysmal at the time like rock bottom and that literally just cheered me up it brought me right out of me funk and just walked in the next day and i was like you know what it is it takes me badge back Fuck off, and i just walked out like literally said right. in front of all the clientele coming in, your job shit, you rip customers off, you don't let them cancel a membership, you get debt collectors involved when they do. Fuck you. And I just slung it at them and walked out. All because of evil dead. Because I was in a better mood. But Bruce Gamble, the man just mm. he hits the spot every time for everything he does. He's class. 
think from what he's like the interviews he's done and like everyone that spoke about him, he's got a lot of time for the fans as well. Yeah. So that was always a thing because he, he, I was good. Um, I was down in London, but I didn't realize he was, was, was doing a book signing. Yeah. Um, for Ben Planet, but I walked in like the next day afterwards and I was asking the staff what he was like. And he said, to be fair, he walked in, he, he chatted with us. It was like he, was just a member of the public. He didn't want any like gravitas or like uh, to be treating anything differently. And he stayed there longer than he should, just having a bit crack, crack with people and banter and stuff. Like you said, his publicist just kept on trying to get him to go out, but uh, he just like I say didn't want to leave. But when you hear him, like when you read his book and stuff, he had like a proper like American upbringing, like not 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 wealthy or anything like that. He lived in like I can't remember now, but uh, like it was not far off like trailer parks and stuff when yeah. he when he was brought up but he's got oh, such no. yeah he's got such a like like a, a lust for life i think that's the thing because yeah. he's just so uh passionate about what he does and how he goes into it and like yeah. as i said the man has got the like he should have been a bigger star than he was i think as he said, with with his looks, I know he always gets the, t- the piss to for the chin and stuff, but he was a very good looking man. He's, and he, he's and, a beautiful man. And, he has, <laughs> and, he, and he's one of them where he has aged well as well. Yeah. So, um, he's a phenomenal. His um, personal life, how he actually is, like as a person, he always reminds us of the character he plays in Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. Because he just doesn't give a fuck. He's, he just likes to have fun. He likes to be around people. Mm-hmm. He likes to have a laugh with people. He just he can't stop cracking jokes. He can't stop playing pranks. He'll sit and have a beer with anyone. Like he, he's generally one of them people that has got all yeah. the time in the world yeah. for people. And, and that's a trait that's missing. Yes. I think he's very old school in his approach, but yeah. I, again, very respectful. But yeah, I, I would just like love him to be there, just to quote Evil Dead quotes to him, like say, uh, shop, uh, shop smart, shop K smart, or S smart, was it? Um, and like say, this is my boomstick. And... This is my boomstick! <laughs> I've, I've got to watch The Army of Darkness now. Yes. I love that film so much. Everyone raves about the first two, Army of Darkness. Mm. Army of Darkness all the way. It's well, in my top five fantasy movies, man. <laughs> <Class>. <laughs> I'd say Evil Dead was like the, the horror movie. The, the second one was basically the Evil Dead one remade just with a little bit yeah. more comedy and like wasn't it's my favorite one just... out of out of all of them really is Evil Dead 2. I love yeah. it. It shouldn't oh, have really been gosh. called Evil Dead Evil mm-hmm. Dead 2, but Ar- yeah, Army of Darkness is when they just went, yeah, it's just completely out there, crazy, out there, funny. Yeah. And I'll even love like Ash versus the Evil Dead, like the TV show the broadcast. Oh, I've not finished it yet. Because he he just like see you you knew while he was there, and he knew he was just there for a good time, yeah. and he that's that's just Bruce Campbell having fun and being Ash and um, reliving like say the glory days, but taking the piss out of himself where a lot of actors wouldn't have been able yeah. to do that. And I, again, I know they're supposed to be doing now Ash, Evil Dead Rises or something, and he's supposed yeah, to be in that as Ash yet. again. Oh, you, you can't. If he's still around and he's still able to do it, he should always be Ash. Yeah, but well, ex- he is because that's where they got in um, the re- uh, the remake, like the last film they've done, right at the very end. If you stick around, he says groovy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, he had a guy with the Ash, the, the S mark badge on his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. He's just got, um, I'm sure, I can't remember if he's writing it or directing it or something like that. There's something from the darker end of the DC universe. Whoa. That he's just been given, and 
I'm not the biggest comic book nerd, so one of you guys will probably have to Google it. Um, but they basically brought him in on the absolute foundation level for something in the darker end of the DC comics. Ooh, um, could it be the dark, you know, the, the black label that they've been doing? Could it be something that's from that? That's probably it. Um, Hopefully it'll be Justice League Dark. I know, he was, I know he's been involved with, like, the the Marvel ones where it's been Ash versus the Evil Dead, uh, Marvel yeah. versus the, the Evil Dead and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like I said, them comics. But he does little cameos now and then in certain films that are absolutely brilliant. Like so, Sky, Sky sorry, High. mate, I've just uh, Googled it. He's uh, come in to uh, make Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Oh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds amazing from what I read of it. It was like, mm. not yeah, really heard definitely want to be a part of that. But um, a little little known film, like uh, I think Disney made try to make like a piss take out the superhero ones for kids, but it was called Sky High, High, High mm. yeah. uh, where he plays a gym teacher called yep. Boomer, and he's absolutely hilarious in it. Just being Bruce Campbell, just shouting at kids. Yeah, Charlotte got us on that one. Yes, I have. So again, that was I put Bruce Campbell on, and he knocked Tom Hanks off. So yeah. Whoa, that's <laughs> a titan to top, knock off as well. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Dinah. But yes. Um, so awesome we... choice. We've got some. He- we've got some hell of a people at this table, <laughs> mind. Hell so of now, a people. So now we're back to lovely Sammy now. For back second, to me. Second from last. Yes. Um. I don't know, I, this, it'll be obvious for my family because this director is, what he's, back. I don't talk. He's my favourite director of all time. Mm-hmm. Very much gone, been gone for a very long time, but has some of the most classic films. One of his is actually one of my favourites. Um, he did horror, he did mystery, he did romance. He's Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, right. I would, I would talk this guy's ear off, just on the shower scene alone from Psycho. Literally would chat his ear off. I absolutely love him. From Alfred Hitchcock presents right the way, like through all of his films, I am obsessed. I have been since I was about fifteen years old, just obsessed with the man Psycho. I have broke down every scene to learn everything that he did from it because that's how interested I've gotten him and just I wanted to know so like how his mind works um I just I love the man so much (laughs) interesting one and I I can say why um I'd say from his the film's perspective yes I, I get it but whenever you hear an interview with him he seems the most boring bloke in the world sorry <laughs> no i get it i get it it's um it's the it's the voice isn't it it's the drone yeah. like he has a very drony kind of voice so i do get it um but just just to, just to hear his thought process mm. and how he pays things together like the birds for example like the choices he made through that film like to not have any music but didn't, uh, didn't most of the things he chose because he didn't like the people he was working with, so someone was scared of something, so he used to... Vera them. Mills. Yeah, yeah, Vera Mills. He absolutely tortured her during Psycho um, because she refused to agree a new contract with him or something along those lines. Um, yeah, he wasn't, in all of from all accounts, not the nicest person. <laughs> um, liked his blonde women. 
um, wanted to re-replicate that mm-hmm. forever. And the one woman he couldn't do it to was Janet Lee. Yeah. Couldn't, could not face that woman at all. Um, couldn't harass her, couldn't intimidate her. Mm-hmm. If anything, she she turned the tables and did it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it just personal life aside and more just to do with the, the filmmaking is what I really am interested in, in, in yeah. knowing. Like and not uh, like what the thought process is. What would what yeah. did you make this decision? Why did yes? You... Why did you do that? Like, mm-hmm. what was the experience like? How did you just? How did you think that Psycho was going to work? Given that the ta- nobody nobody wanted to touch it, mm-hmm. he had to fight tooth and nail for that one, and um, and it was based off a book that nobody knew about. Like mm-hmm. it was, and then obviously the Ed Gein aspect comes into came into it as well. Like Ed Gein had just been arrested, and you know his crimes had been divulged to everyone, and then Psycho came out, and he, and it, the two kind of like go together, kind of thing. And yeah. it was it's just Psycho is probably one that I'm really fascinated in, even mm-hmm. though I am a huge fan of the majority of his films, but Psycho is the one that gets us. And yeah. fantastic. The only mm-hmm. problem I have with Psycho is the end which part the last five minutes don't Why? need to be there all you need is to see norman's face and the laugh fade to black that's it you don't need to see the trial you don't need the to see trial? the trial like the courtroom parts you don't need to see oh well back. you hang on you just need to see his face laugh fade to black then there's a part after that like five minutes or so and you just you, it doesn't need to be there mm. agreed 100 percent just fade to black. I always felt that it was just a, a, a they, yeah. they wanted to give closure, you know, yeah. the time that it came out, they wanted to show that his consequences had actions, but looking it back at the it, scary it, part out of it. It did. Yeah. No, I get I get yeah. what you mean, but because then you you move honestly, like I really enjoy Psycho this the, the sequels to it. I know a lot of people might not, but um, Psycho 4, is it, where he co- finally comes out of the mental institute and he's like, he's trying to bury the past of of everything and there's a radio talk show host trying to is on the phone with them trying to get it out of him like trying to get the get to the nitty-gritty of everything and all he wants to do is bury it and move on yeah and then he eventually does because he burns the fucking house down mm. and I it's, enjoyed, it's um, such a brilliant film i enjoyed the tv show they done of it i thought it was quite good the kid was really good really good yeah but it's not it's not it's not norman i'm watching it for Really, it's Marion Cream. <laughs> it's Janet Lee. It's like I want like she's such a such a woman of mystery. Like this woman who's like what she just look to, to look at her, she's in to the way that she presents herself at work, very normal. But she's yeah. having an affair with a married man and then she ends up stealing a lot of money off her um work and it's like, hang on a minute, lady, who are you? <laughs> she's good. She is good. But mm-hmm. Perkins was just absolutely unbelievable. He's on another level. It, um yeah, and the commitment he gave to Norman, not just in that film, in all of them, was yeah. outstanding. Yeah, well, it was a claim to fame, really, wasn't it? It's like, this is mine. Like, it was yeah. his role. And he owned yeah. it. But Hitchcock was, by all accounts, he was an absolute bastard. Yes. But again, it would be a hard conversation, and yeah. I enjoy the hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And, and that side of it, I wouldn't be so interested in wanting to know about. I just... Like I say, I could talk to him about other films like, um, oh, what's the one with uh, James Stewart? With oh, by Northwest. No. Oh, the, oh Ray Window or something. Uh, 
39 steps, Rio window. No, I think Rio window. That's it. That's the one Mr. where Mr. he's Smith. where he's watching Sorry. across the um from the and he sees the murder and the thing because that's Rio window. Yeah, yeah with, love that. Which, which everyone, whichever, whichever thing has been ripped off from very a much so. Times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, strangers on a train, and there's there's so many I could go into with them, but Psycho is the one that I remember mm. having this book, and it would literally broke down everything. So then I had the film to then break it down as well, and I just do you know when you get that obsession obsession in you? <laughs> Whoa! Oh. <Fuck's> sake. <laughs> <laughs> So, my horse has just ate me shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's happened a few times on here where Grant's dogs have scared the shit out of us. Um, but yeah, Hitchcock, it wasn't, it was a hard one to pick because I do understand how, what people feel about him on, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So I do get that. But if I'm being honest with myself, he would be someone I would put in there for just to honour the film side of it, the creativity yeah. side of it. No, it's a good. It is a good choice. It's probably one I, I say wasn't quite expecting fully there, but um, it's not too out of the box. Where because I know how much like say Psycho does mean to you. So mm. it, as I said, it would be an interesting talking point to go from like all the, the different horrors to like basically the fun aspects, like say, and then. Yeah, it would hit every beat and every it's tone, a hard I guess. one. Yeah, it's a hard one because the, for all that, for for all I just want to, I just want to talk about that one film. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's really it. Like, and fair, I said at the beginning, that's... this was purely selfish reasons. I'm having these people at this table. Like, it's all for me. <laughs> I didn't take anyone else into consideration. <laughs> I'd want to see how we felt with all of us, like all the homages made to him in film. Hmm. As an arrogant man. Yeah, I'd want to know which one he thought was the best and mm. how he could improve on it if he could. Yeah. That's so good because I would like to know what he thought of Anthony Hopkins playing him because I absolutely adore Hitchcock yeah. um, and yeah. I thought Anthony Hopkins did an absolutely banging job of it and obviously it's all surrounding around Psycho so I love it yeah. anyway but I would love to have heard his thoughts on it and did he get the voice right? <laughs> the drawl. <laughs> So, yes. yeah, that's my fourth pick is Hitchcock. Cool. So, we're on our last pick, guys, now. So, yep. make a count. Um, <laughs> so, I'll just go to bed now, Jesus. I know. Grant's going to win this one. So, <laughs> it's not Come a competition because I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> exactly. Come on, then, Grant. Kev, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> He's gone. I've saved the best till last year. On for more reasons than one. Um, over the course of my last four picks, I have picked four people that have pretty much sculpted my outlook on life. You know, we've got the artistic elements, we've got the you know the emotional elements, we've got you know <laughs> Knoxville especially, we've got my youth and being an absolute lunatic. Um, but we've got the people that have sculpted me into the person that I am today. And during life, you you go through good times and you go through bad times. And sometimes there's so much darkness that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And for the last 14 years, this person has been the light at the end of my tunnel. Run um, on a crime on her way. <laughs> He's not a director. 
he's not a nerd. He, well, he is a little bit of a nerd, and he's been helping me out a little bit with certain elements in which I have put into this community and put into the broadcasts and put into everything that I am. Probably wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for the person that I'm talking about. So I'm going to crack open his Father's Day present. That's it. <laughs> I'm gone. The last person I want around that table with all of the people that have made me who I am oh. is my son, Jacob. Um, he keeps me going. He is the absolute light of my life. This kid was the best man at my wedding. And when we do stuff together, he's he brings out the best in me. Regardless of whether it's, you know, the streams that I've been doing on Twitch or, you know, like today and yesterday, spending Father's Day weekend, wandering around, talking to him about life. And I've got the opportunity with that boy to sculpt a better man than the man that I've been. You know, I can learn from all of my mistakes. All of my mistakes. I can try and imbibe a good sense of what it takes to be a good human being. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am now. You know what I mean? I've got a good job. I've got a good family. I've got two dogs that are absolute <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> um, but you know, I've got. My family, I've got my wife, I've got my stepdaughter. You know, Father's Day is not Father's Day unless, you know, obviously I got, for those of you that know on Facebook, um, that I quit drinking for a long time after I left the pubs and Ashai is one of the few lagers that I can drink now that doesn't give me evil fucking heartburn. <laughs> and it made so much that the Ben, meant so much rather, that the Ben remembered that I've mm-hmm. bought a bottle of Ashai in his presence because it's one of the few alcoholic drinks that I can drink. But I wouldn't be where I am now. You know, check the nerds. Check this bad boy out. <laughs> this was off my stepdaughter. Wow. And I'll tell you what, if this, thing, from you. <laughs> if this thing was five foot five, I'd be leaving with it right now. Well, there's a bright side front. The box is plausible and even better. It, anybody that watches wrestling knows exactly what Oscar is about to do there. She's about to go full blown Jack Sparrow with her movements when she does all this kind of stuff. I say that that kid, uh, he's been the light at the end of my tunnel. The, mm. From the moment that he was born to right up to where he is now, when I would love to sit him down at that table with the people that have got me to where I am now, when the journey's not been easy, you know, we're what forty year old sitting round here. Can we all look back at the people we were at twenty year old and <laughs> yeah. go, "I'm yeah. proud of that person." <laughs> I sure as fucking hell can. I'm glad there weren't camera phones invented when I was twenty year old because I would be in jail. <laughs> but yeah, that wow. I know nothing. I know that obviously nobody else can interrupt into this, but it's Father's Day, no, and I was stuck. Sure. I was really, really <laughs> stuck. And when I was thinking about it over the course of the last couple of days, I was thinking, who else? It's probably the easiest choice to make. Mm. 
And then last night, you spent two hours ripping the shit out of me on that Hades stream. The sarcastic (laughs) little bastard that he is. This close to suggesting that I put him up for adoption. Um, But that is... Um, just it. just to lower the tone, Donna's calling you the podcast daddy. So I don't know if that's gonna. <laughs> yeah, you're getting so much love in the chat right now. Like... Oh, fuck it's off. not. It's not. <laughs> really, all. Uh, absolutely not all. There's a load of women that need to laminate their underwear. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, like Donna's like grand could only grand could go from that to that. <laughs> Indeed, I, mean, I probably could. But he's wiping his underwear clean now so... as well. <laughs> You are the most wonderful thing in my life. You really, really are. And I am thankful every single day that you oh. are a part of it. To be fair, I should have put Grant on last now, because how, how can we follow that? Like, say, I, know, <laughs> I don't think shit that, in I, comparison. I don't think we should. I think we should just end it there. Grant, you cunt. <laughs> Grant, every pick that you've done has had, it, it's like you've you've led up to, you've you've done a story throughout the whole of your picks to lead it's, up to your final Because he's, pro- he's a professional, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you literally I'm have... not a professional. You saw the fucking group chat two days ago. <laughs> I was banging my fucking phone on the table going, how has Sammy got a list and I haven't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how have I got my list in time and you didn't? <laughs> to be fair though, there's one thing I am going to correct you on what you've just said, so I do apologise. I am going to be a bit pedantic. Your son is in there. Hold on, you're gonna. I thought you were gonna say he's not my son, you cheeky bastard. (laughs) 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 Oh, here we go. I'm your daddy now. No, (laughs) you said he wasn't a nerd. How dare you? How very dare you? (laughs) I mean, he's not like a. He's not a famous nerd. He's not. Doesn't have to be. We've never made them rules. Never said it had to be anything. Just anyone you wanted to bring to your dinner table. That was the thing, alive or dead. I think the point that I'm trying to make with it for a long time during some of the darker points in my life, what I was creatively disappeared. Mm-hmm. And Jacob is one of those cornerstones that made me go, mm-hmm. these are the things that I'm good at. These are the things that I need to start doing again, be it, mm-hmm. you know, obviously music was a big thing for me. And, you know, this is, mm-hmm. I'd never done anything like this before, but at the same time, it's something that, feel I'm doing all right with these broadcasts and what have you. Um, Very much so, so at the moment. He keeps me passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And if it wasn't for him yeah. instilling that in me, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be where I am now. I wouldn't be sitting here with my awesome fucking Oscar. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't that, be sitting here with yeah. my dogs and my family and me missus and Faith, mm. my stepdaughter, or any of that, I would have probably crumbled long before now, if it wasn't for him. The only bad thing now, though, we're going to have to get Jacob on. (laughs) He's going to have to come on the podcast. (laughs) He did the Twitch stream last night with me on Hades. He was commenting on my my first two run-throughs, and like I say, the sarcastic little shit that he is, was completely (laughs) mocking me for failing on the run-through that I had to do. But he didn't say my Sonic run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have watched a bit of it. And, oh. yeah, and, yeah. Okay, maybe not quite as much failure, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna jump onto the Greek mythology thing as well because he's loving it. Um, he, he likes his mythology and he's loving the the streams that we've been doing. Um, 
So, yeah, the next one, while I'm talking about Orpheus and Eurydice, he's going to play through the game while oh, I'm boring the tits off you talking about Greek mythology. <laughs> love yeah. it. Cool. Everyone's got a fan base. Everyone's got a love. That's the main thing. So, yes, um, we're going to try and follow it. <laughs> what do you mean we're going to try and fucking follow it? Are we? I'm so sorry, mate. No fucking pressure. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Have you done a quick Google search to see? He <laughs> <laughs> does that and drags Charlotte in. <laughs> right. I, I, I see your son. <laughs> I see your son. Look at these. Have Charlotte. I'm going to raise you, Charlotte. I'll see your son and raise you a dead granddad. Jesus Christ. No, there's no way I'm going to top it. Come on, who anything I say now, even if I said anything like that now, it'd just be trying to warn up you. Jesus. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. So I'm, I'm going to stick with my original list because you, you know I'm what? nice like that. What about Teddy? Well, the dog's but not any... here anymore, so you know. <laughs> um, For anybody yeah. that's watching, Grant said a porn star and just <laughs> click on that. <laughs> <laughs> so. I originally had someone on my list uh, that nobody would expect from me. Um, mm-hmm. I originally had John Cena. Mm-hmm. Wow. However, I bumped him up for someone else. Um, now, the, the guy that I bumped him off for just instills a lot of morals um, and a lot of wholesome values in people. Uh, he's a former two-time welterweight UFC champion, a former middleweight UFC champion. He was Batrock the Leaper in the MCU, and I'm talking about George Rush Saint-Pierre. Oh, wow. Um, is that him from Captain America? Yes. Yes, oh, And I know it is. I'm with you. I'm on the same page. <laughs> the man is as humble and polite as the come. He's scrapped with the best in the world. He's came from a, a world where he was bullied in Canada as a kid. Like he was mercilessly bullied and he had the shit kicked out of him every day. And he went on to fight some of the best fighters in the world. We're talking Michael Bispin, Johnny mm. Hendricks, um, Matt Hughes, Matt Serra, Tiago Alves. The man is, he's went through every single wrecking machine the welterweight division has had to offer and some of the middleweight division. He's been kicked to fuck but still found a way to beat everyone. Through all of that, they've all been speaking shit about him. Oh, I'm going to smash his face and I'm going to murder him. I'm going to send him back to his family, a vegetable. And he's he's been polite. He shook the hands. He's laughed. He always turns up in a suit. He always greets his fans, greets everyone politely. Um, he was absolutely amazing and absolutely wasted in the MCU as Batrock the Leaper. So they bought him back, but again, they wasted him. Mm-hmm. Um but apparently he's going to be coming back. Um, now, I don't know if that's going to be in the rumoured next Spider-Man film because Batrock was a Spider-Man villain oh. or if they're going to bring him back for Captain America Captain 4 yeah. with Falcon, um, which I would prefer to see him in because I yeah. think he bounced better with uh, Bucky Barnes mm-hmm. than he would with Spider-Man. Um, mm. But he's another one that does the um, Arnold Expos that I was talking about earlier on. Um, so having met George St. Pierre briefly, I can say that the man is instantly a legend, mm. instantly the most humble and gentle man on the face of the planet and will do anything for anyone. He would literally give you the shirt off his back. Yeah, I, I, see, I, I, I don't follow UFC that as closely as I used to. Like me, uh, me and, uh, like, say, if, 
I would say a friend of the group, but he's not really a friend. Uh, Kevin Dickinson is <laughs> 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 the one that yeah, yeah, says yeah. everything's shit, but yeah. uh, he's one of my best mates. So I love him to death. But um, me and him, like I say, used to watch it, like talk about the next day and stuff when it used to be quite interesting, where it's not as much. Where, it's a bit dull now. Yeah, but GSP used to always be, like as you said, model professional. People used to come after him. Um, was it Matt Senna as well? Matt Senna. Matt Sarah, he used to be a complete bellend and say, Oh, every, like Matt. I've trained uh, for Matt. He's a nice guy. Every but you threw every accusation you can at uh, GSP. Of course he did. He had to throw him off his game. How yeah. do you think you beat him? Mm. <laughs> but, he threw uh, him off his game. But he never rose to it, GSP. That's the thing. Yeah. I, he, he was the ultimate professional. Like He went out the UFC his terms. He came yeah. back in when he wanted to. And again, his he left. Terms. Um, but it was more to do with he was. Like, quite vocal as well about uh, people who were using exactly and he has said uh, when it wasn't cool to stand up and talk about it and say negative things he was always being an advocate that's the one thing I always got from him as well was as I said and that's why he's he's been moved into Marvel now because of that wholesome and the work he's he's very family friendly Mm -hmm. oh that's lovely he's not a person he's a brand Mm-hmm. and he's always marketed himself as such he has a brand when he was in the UFC he was the poster boy for nearly a decade mm. everyone knew who George St. Pierre was when they watched the UFC he was for someone who wasn't a wrestler mm-hmm. he was the most dominant wrestler in UFC history mm-hmm. he was un- he, ne- he never missed a takedown he was unbelievable he absolutely schooled Nick Diaz arguably the best jiu- jiu-jitsu practitioner in the, in the sport absolutely schooled him Mm-hmm. Um, and then to come into the MCU as he has and to have that granted it was only a little fight with Cap but can you imagine if they'd put like a full fight scene in Yeah, but, it would have been unreal and it was a time when everyone was going after the biggest people in UFC like it was yeah. a time when like all the huge people were there like uh, and Brock he Lesner. Brock Lesnar was in at the same time but he was still I, I would never say a slight but when you look at the other monsters, he was never the biggest one, but he was always the biggest draw because it was always an entertaining fight. And he always, as I said, he never got, like, I know in later fights and stuff, he, he did get rocked a few times, but he never got hurt during fights. That's Apart the thing. When Sarah knocked him out. Mm. But he never, like, when he come out and done interviews and stuff afterwards, he never had a mark on him where a lot yep. of people, like, say that he was always a careful and well done. But no, that's a good pick because. I didn't expect that. I always thought like we've went for like entertainment. He is an entertainment what is, but in certain aspects, what his main profession is sports. Uh, we're not going to say WWE like sports entertainment, but that's where uh, Uf- UFC has kind of been. But um, yeah, com- but no, it's great pick and one I probably again should have expected, but didn't. So uh, that's a quite a, an interesting one. Can I just say who I generally thought you would have on your list? And I've Go been kind of waiting for. I thought you would have had Bill Paxton on there. No. Just I just had this feeling that he would be in there somewhere. He, I'll be honest with you, Bill was on there a few times. Um, mm. I've been to a couple of different lists. We're, we all know my love for Bill. The man yeah. is just unbelievable. Yeah. But I thought if I mentioned Bill Paxton, we well, I would sit and talk about the man. Yeah, that, that, you, you, <laughs> I get it. I totally, I totally get it. I just, you know, any ex, like I. The one every time you kept saying it, I was like, "Here it is, here it is." No, 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 that's not it. <laughs> you can't wrap up Bill Paxton quick. 
you, no. you can't. He's you are right. I see this as a future. Much. I do see Bill, a Bill Paxton episode, honestly, because you could talk Probably. to death about it. Probably. So cool in the gang. Cool. Paul, last pick. Yeah. So quite interesting that you picked a Canadian because I've went with a Canadian. No, it's not Kevin Smith, guys. There's a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Canadian. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying everyone's probably been guessing saying I was going to pick Kevin Smith. It's, it's Brian never... Adams. I want you to apologise right now. Sorry? <laughs> it's Brian Adams. I want you to apologise right now. Yeah. The, Canadian Adams, the Canadian government <laughs> apologise to Brian Adams on many occasions. <laughs> um, probably not many people know he's Canadian. I think that's the big thing about it. Um, he's not very well at the moment. Um, and he's, deal- oh. he's dealing with his illness absolutely amazingly and he's brought awareness and oh. and to, uh, a lot but he is basically my favorite 80s actor of all time and M- michael j fox yeah um, to get it in there well done. <laughs> well done but absolutely amazing from back to the future to like say everything he's played spin city spin city where he played a, a deputy mortal where he was sleazy but yeah amazing series um Unreal. i love I've got like a few stories about the Spin City series as well when he was filming it, because um, that's when he was diagnosed with yeah. Parkinson's. And, oh, was it then? Yeah. And they filmed episodes when he was, and they give him time off during episodes or to move away, and they didn't do many reshoots on, on episodes so that it didn't like show. Because mm-hmm. all the way through that series and through the first few seasons, he hid it from mm. a lot of people. So, and then when he came out and like they've become like almost just a spokesperson for a reading, really, wasn't he? Yeah, and try to like make awareness for Parkinson's and like mm-hmm. he's he's very big on stem stem cell uh, yeah. research and stuff um as well. But everything he's in is just class. Yeah. And and he is he is lovable. Like yeah. even like Team Wolf oh, as a fucking werewolf. Um, yeah. the frighteners when he was a con man. Yep, yeah, kindness. we didn't and give he, a shit. <laughs> yeah, we loved him. And you kind of want him, but like I said, and his little cameos he did, like in Scrubs. Yeah, absolutely oh. one yes, of the best. I've, I've literally just watched them ones. I one love of the best. That episode. Yep. Um, like playing a little mouse as well, like doing the voice of Stu a little yeah. was absolutely lovable. But again, the like, childhood. Yep, and like films like Doc Hollywood and stuff like things that you don't really yeah. re- like wouldn't jump out. I think is. Uh, is Michael J. Fox, or when that I can't remember the film now where he played uh, an actor on a set with James Woods, um, like pretending to be a cop and like learning the rules. Yeah, and, I don't remember which one it is, but oh, I can't remember the name. Uh, let's have a look. See that the Hardware. That yeah. was one of my favorite films. And Charlotte, if you're listening, it's a '90s movie, The Hardware. So get that one in there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I say, Michael J. Fox is everyone who was born in the '80s. Loved Back to the Future. I don't think if anyone says they don't like it, they're lying. I'm sorry. Full of shit. Uh, <laughs> Full it, of shit. And we watch their movies repeat and along with Ghostbusters, The Goonies and stuff like that. He it was it yeah. was our childhood and Michael J. Fox was a big part of it. And I love when you see interviews of people and they reflect and say like, how lucky they were. Because to be honest, we ne- nearly never got this Marty McFly. We never really got Eric Stoltz. They even start filming. I've done, yeah. I think, one day of filming. There's, and se- there's to... scenes of him there. Yeah, and they said, this isn't working because he was doing Family Ties at the same time and Family yeah. Ties refused to let him go. 
So that what they did is they filmed Back to the Future on the night. Yeah. So during the daytime, the film Family Ties, and the, that's why a lot of Back to the Future is in the dark. But that just shows the level of class that comes from that man because he was working a day shift, working a night shift, and he didn't let it fucking show. But, he was class. Because he was he believed in this movie as well. Because like Back to the Future took a long time to get made. A lot yeah. of people like said this will never work. It it makes no sense. Uh, yes. And um again, I'll actually like I, I know I've talked about Back to the Future in the past. To me, it's one of them ones where it might be rose tinted glasses. It is one of the perfect movies. No. Um, scientifically it is one of the most perfect movies it has been scientifically proven that Back to the Future is absolute perfect from start to finish because there is no there's no what's the word I'm looking for inconsistencies that's it thank you unfortunately there's one major loophole with that film sorry one major plot ruin it so scientifically it is not perfect because the simple fact is the DeLorean could not get up to 88 miles an hour (laughs) Scientifically, it's perfect because his girlfriend changes who she is. To be fair, that was at the end. Also, his mom tries to shag him, and they're not from Alabama. To be fair, though, if we're going to go that, if we go down that road, his dad kind of changes in the second one as well. But that was. Isn't that him? Isn't it? Isn't it actually Michael J. Fox playing him in the second one? No, no, the no. guy, his, his guy comes back where he recasts him. Crispin Glover. Um, well, Crispin Glover was the dad, and he, yeah. he he went off on it. He's still to this day, twenty twenty two, still going off on a tirade over that. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it was Michael J. Fox who, because Michael J. Fox no, no, plays Michael, his children. Plays himself older. Plays, plays himself older. older uh-huh, he but he also chicken. plays his children. He plays the daughter. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't play his dad. He doesn't play George. I'm, I'm sure there was something I'm where he stood in for him. Hundred percent guarantee it's not. Two seconds. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know he plays his daughter. Because he does mm-hmm. that weird look to the camera, which freaks me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. All right, Back to the Future Two. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll settle this right now. No, it's Jeffrey Weisman. Oh, there you go. Okay, Paul Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think so. I've watched Back to the Futures a few of them a few times. That's it. <laughs> but I know he played like his older self, and he, like, as you said, he played his son. Yeah. And like I say, in Back to the Future 2 and then Back to the Future 3. I still love it. I still don't think it's a bad film. I didn't mind. I enjoy it. Um, it <laughs> it's not the strongest film. It's not the strongest of the trilogy, but it's fun. Mm. And. Again, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd have a whale of a time doing it. Yes. He it's already neat to see. on that one. Yeah. Mm. But it's all you need to see. Those two have yeah. no laugh. No, but I absolutely love it. And as I said, now when you get interviews with Michael J. Fox, and he is very unwell, bless him. But he tries to, like, say, to not hide his his ailment, but he's he's not afraid to talk about it. But he's, he's, he's one of these people that is just, like, say, a huge inspiration. And he got an amazing career, even though he wasn't that well and yeah. potentially couldn't have done what he could do. But like I say, I, I will always go back to the Back to the Future. I've got, like I say, a little shrine up there where I've got the DeLorean. I've got a floating, like I say, skateboard with Michael T. Fox <laughs> on. Uh, but yeah, it, it is my go-to other than the Goonies, sorry to say. But uh, yes, <laughs> uh, Michael T. Fox. times. <laughs> Oh, there'll be more. Don't worry, son. Oh, he'll <laughs> get them in there. He will get them in there. As long as we're doing this podcast, the Goonies will be mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Cool. So that's my final pick. So, Sammy, take us home. 
Yep. So my final pick, I'm going to make it short and sweet because I do actually want to do a podcast on this gentleman um, at some point in the future. So I don't particularly want to talk too much about him. And I, I couldn't pick between the two of the titans of this industry. But I went with the one that doesn't get probably the recognition he deserves. If he does, it's not it's not something that I see on a regular basis. I'm going to go with the amazing Jack Kirby. Right. I yeah. would love to sit and talk to Jack Kirby. We have heard everything that Stanley has to say. Mm-hmm. We have. We have heard every story, every, you know, this is how I did this. Well, I want to know how Jack Kirby did this. How Stan stole his work. How Stan, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I want, I want to have a, I would love to do a podcast on Jack Kirby because I would just love to sit, for us to sit and talk about the, the, work that mm-hmm. this man has put into the industry not just for marvel he also worked for dc comics as well mm-hmm. um he and he worked right up until the day he died because he was constantly paying debts off that mm-hmm. he could not fix because yeah. stan lee wouldn't give him the right no and i love stan lee don't get us wrong i do but the man has had he his time he ha- he's had his time why Why can't we talk about Jack and, you know, what he's done and the characters he created and the stories he's put forward? Because we don't have half of what we do in Marvel without him. He was always the very colourful like, and vibrant one as well. Like Jack mm-hmm. Kirby's stuff was out there and a very, like I said, ahead of the time when you... When you and some of the storylines were just batshit crazy when you think of Kirby Kirbyisms like um when you wasn't it the Eternals he did? Yeah, yeah. So we wouldn't have had the Eternals or um and like say so the probably Fantastic Four, I think was the major ones he uh, had. Yeah, it. um Galactus is his, isn't it? Yeah. I think so, I believe so. Again, I would need to do a little bit more research on yeah. Jack Kirby. Yeah, I just I think I think in DC forms he done like Swamp Thing, like introduced Swamp Thing as well. Yeah, um, Swamp Thing was a massive one. Hmm. Yeah, Devil Dinosaur, which I didn't get introduced to until 2015, and so I didn't know classic. Devil Dinosaur. It's it's brilliant, but I got introduced to that through modern day comics, not mm-hmm. backdated ones. So that was really interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of Fantastic Four, like Silver Surfer, comes yeah. directly from, from him. Kirby. Uh-huh. I just think it would be lovely to have a Jack Kirby appreciation. No, like podcast because for all I love Stanley and I can you know sit and sit and listen to documentaries or podcasts because he has got some interesting stories to tell it's just it, it's just never fair that that Jack never got that it's the same with um Bill Finger when it comes yeah. to Batman and that mm. wrong is being righted right now like there's a brilliant documentary about Bill Finger and how one man went out of his way to make sure his fucking name was put on every <laughs> film that has something to do with Batman. Um, so, yeah, Jack the King Kirby. Very good. So we've had some very interesting, some different takes. And, <sighs> fucking um, emotional, Paul, I'll tell you that. And from future episodes, Grant's always going to go last from now yep. on. Yep. <laughs> yep, always. He's, been, he's, he's dropped the mic on us today, the bastard. Yeah, but th- thank you, Grant. <laughs> It was it was lovely. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't wait till your son sees this as well, because I think it will mean a lot more to him 
then you probably know when he does watch it back. So that's going to be a little bit of a moment for you is there. I think you'll often call him a soft shite. Possibly. You'll call <laughs> me a soft shite. <laughs> me too, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, it's a nice touching thing. I, I, actually, I thought no, I said, nice. I, actually, I knew someone was going to pull out the emotional one. I did think it was going to be Kev, to be honest with you. I thought Kev was going to, actually, I thought that was going to be, because I, I know you've talked about your legacy, your, your parents and stuff, your grandparents, sorry. Um, but is anyone that was going to be on the lists that you've left off? Just a, like any honourable mentions, guys? I've got a I've couple, got to be fair. Like, um, like I'd go first. Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that, that came off. Um, but obviously, I, as I say, I can talk about Bill all fucking day. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. It's very oh, wow. interesting. Very interesting. He's... I remember you talking about Val Kilmer before and your, your appreciation for him. Val He's... Kilmer is an, a phenomenal, phenomenally underrated actor. He is absolutely amazing. You sit down, you watch The Ghost in the Darkness. Oh, beautiful. Enough said. To be fair, though, the story about Val Kilmer is amazing as well because he didn't have to act. He didn't need the money. No. He, he was born in like very rich circumstances. Yeah. But like most of his fees, when he acts as well, is not that large. And he does it just because he enjoys it. Yeah. yeah. I He's think incredibly I'm... ill at the moment as well. Yes, he is. Uh, I only found that out really, really recently. Hasn't he got really bad is it throat, throat cancer? cancer? Yeah, they yeah, have like digitally um, sort of <clears throat> artificially intelligent voice into the new Top Gun film. Fucking hell. So, yeah, yeah he's, that was, quite, uh, he's, he's lost his voice completely because he's had his voice box taken out. Yeah, that was wow. terrible for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, the man can do everything he can. Um, he was a good he, Batman. I'll stand by I, it. I, I, I loved him as Bruce Wayne. I thought him. he was class. Um, but the last two honourable mentions, um, shit, one's just gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael J. White. Right, cool. He's arguably one of the greatest martial artists on the planet with a brilliant outlook in life. Um, he's a surprisingly he's a decent actor. You know, he's he's a funny guy. Um, and Tony Todd. Hmm, that would tell be an interesting you, one. Tell me you couldn't listen to that man talk all day. Just talk, just talk to us about tell us yeah. the, the lines from Final Destination. Tell no, us about death. Oh, just, Tony Todd. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would literally just be a case of Tony. I'm taking my pants off. You talk dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming, actually. I'm so... <laughs> Man, I'm look at it, Tony! Hey! Look at him! Look at him. And it's really weird that he's saying that and Charlotte's sitting in the background just completely nonchalant to it all. Oh, look, careful of our feet, say. You're, gonna, you're losing money there, Kev. <laughs> no, I've got them covered. <laughs> Any other honourable mentions? Uh, my two honourables I mentioned uh, when I mentioned Bill Hicks about how it was up and down with another comedian uh, would have been George Carlin. I knew you were going to say George Carlin. That's where I thought you were going with that one was George Carlin. I was 50-50. I didn't want to to say George Carlin because obviously because of his bit Kevin Smith yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, um, <laughs> I, I had money on Grant Pick and Gillian Anderson as well. I can't believe he's left her yeah. off. <laughs> I tell you what, it is. She was she was close um, because I've got an amazing amount of respect for her as an actress. Mm-hmm. But you, you, mate, you've just summed it up right there. If I'd said Gillian Anderson, it would have been half an hour of talking about my wanking habits. But also, I had a second honourable. It was kind of getting bandied around at the same time as Bill Hicks uh, would have been Andy Kaufman. 
Yes, very interesting. Um, awesome. Yeah, you know, I thought that Kaufman's outlook on life, and again, you know, we're going back to that whole kind of thing that I had going on with about you know, kind of living your life, providing yeah. that you, uh, you know, don't do harm to others. And Kaufman's outlook on his comedy was always very self-driven and very pure as an artist. You know, he wouldn't let people fuck with doing what he was uh, doing, what he was doing, and even if the the art that he was putting across didn't necessarily have the mainstream appeal. He wanted to do it because it was what was fulfilling him. And Carrie did an incredible job in Man on the Moon. He yes. really, really did. Yeah. He got Kaufman down perfectly mm. for anybody that has is not familiar with Kaufman. If you watch Man on the Moon, then you see perfectly what Andy Kaufman was all about. Yeah. Mm. Um, I had three. Uh, Tom Hanks, like I mentioned, but again, I it would be it's very similar to Spielberg, so it would be the say the similar type of conversation. Um, Kevin Smith, but to be honest, I don't think we would have a conversation with Kevin Smith. It would be Kevin Smith just talking to us and telling us Coffee everything. Us. So I don't think that would be a great. But uh, the last one probably is Rick Mail. Rick Mail was very yeah. close to hitting my list just because I just want to know would want the chaos that would erupt having Rick Mail with all these other famous people and yeah. what shit would he do or what he would throw at and how he would try and kill every one of them. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I did have one more and I totally forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Not how he is now, um, but how he was back in the eighties and early nineties. It wouldn't be a, it would be an absolute laugh riot at the dinner table and it would be unpredictable as hell and probably go absolutely nuts. Charlie Sheen. Oh, tiger blood, <laughs> man. Tiger blood. Winning. Winning. <laughs> it would just be absolutely insane because he was he was a good action actor and he, he was, was a good comedy hey, actor. Hot shots. Ah, uh, screw hot shots. The rookie with Clint Eastwood. Fuck. Hot shots is amazing. Major, major league. Major league. Major league. <laughs> but the rookie with Clint Eastwood was the best thing he'd done. Unbelievable. Awesome um, I had a couple. I had uh, Felicia Day. Because she's class, yeah. um, obviously Cassandra Peterson, um, but she got knocked off uh, one of someone else. Um, I probably would have chucked a Kevin Smith in there, but you're, again, you're right. You would have just talked at us. Um, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison is another one who. Oh, Alan Moore, like Kelly Sue DeConnick. There's uh, so many I'd, comic book writers I could have picked yeah. that I could have went down a fucking yeah. rabbit hole with it. I'd be terrified of having Alan Moore on, who'd put a spell on us, the fucking wizard. Yeah. <laughs> Grizzly wizard that he is. I've just remembered one more as well. Very, very nearly. I nearly put Ada Lovelace in mm-hmm. there. Uh, might not be a particularly familiar name. Ada Lovelace is regarded as the first computer programmer. Um, when Charles Babbage was trying to create these kind of mechanized machines, the earliest computers, none of them ever got finished. Um, Ada Lovelace she was like a fucking countess from Italy, um, she was a mathematical genius and she was trying to um, basically build these little punch cards with holes in them that would have allowed um, Babbage's equation engines to work. And if any one of these machines had ever been finished, it would have been regarded as the first computer um, in like the 1800s. All right. Yeah, there was this bit in the back of my head just thinking that would be an amazing conversation to have. Um, but no. <laughs> well, yes, Jacob won. 
That's true. It was a good pick. So well done, sir. Um, awesome. Let's wrap it's... this up because it's yeah. Sam. Yeah. Gav got to be at work in the morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, so <laughs> we knew this was going to be a long one and an interesting yeah. one. So it's always been quite fun. And again, like I say, if we've offended anyone, tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. This is the, this is the podcast, but not yes. the Facebook group. <laughs> so yes, so the, we've got an interesting week next week. So we're hoping to do the Exorcist review on Tuesday if we can get time and get people involved. And yeah. um, that, that not, not a problem. Not a problem. But like I say, we might do another episode like during the midweek anyway. Yeah. Um, then we've got SunnyCon next Sunday, and. Ooh. I've just seen as well that we've been the, the times, so I'm just going to see if I can get that back up for guy for people who are interested in seeing us. We are on Sunday. We're going to be at the Monker Suites, uh, level three apparently. We are on from three thirty to four thirty, so we have an hour. We've got the spot. We've got time, so it is fucking happening. Um, we're going to be going out Royal Rumble style, eighties versus nineties. It'll not be that bad to be honest. We'll just talk what we love, what we how what we like, what what we enjoyed about them. We'll get the audience to decide on the winner, shall we say, and yep. get them involved as well. So please come along, come and join us, and it will be uh, an experience. And I will try and record it as well if I can work out how to do yep. it. So hopefully there won't be too much of a problem. And after Sunday Con, we are then organizing the forthcoming months of what we are actually fucking doing. <laughs> Yes. So yes. So we are going to try and work it out. Uh, unfortunately, we did have a guest pull out uh, when we were hoping to do a toys episode. So Vic messages only the other day saying she can't do the date. So we're going to have to try and rearrange that for a time, another time. But we will uh, make it safe fun. We've got loads of ideas. Like I think top five spoof movie- movies is being called yeah. on. Um, like I say, looking to do uh, see, i'm begging for a firefly episode or like i know goodwill's dying to get on the top more star trek yeah so, and so, I know, much, so much in the pipelines yes but thank you grant thank you kev uh, thank you see, thank you grant for ruining us uh yep. thank you for making me fall like a baby <laughs> appreciate it i've ruined sammy and i've made her cry <laughs> that's it's your one it's, it's, it's a good sunday night <laughs> Indeed, it is. <laughs> All right. I'll yes. buy you breakfast in the morning. You fucking better. So, <laughs> that was quite aggressive. So yeah, um, you know what I'm like around food. <laughs> uh, you don't want to see when she's hungry. Um, like I say, they're going to be the Twitch stream again next week. I think at some point, uh, uh, yeah. uh, is Sammy ever like uh, asked the question? Will Sammy ever complete Resident Evil? We never know. We're never going to find out. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that hard. Snakes. <laughs> Yes, uh, join Charlotte's Boot Club, like yes. everything that we're doing. Like I said, and I said, come on the, the Facebook group, just don't be a bell end, please. Oh, please. <laughs> now, we've had enough of that today. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yes, same bad time, same bad channel, guys. See you, nerdy everyone. Have Bye. a good one, folks. Bye. Bye. Right.